Hey guys, brand new podcast. And the Birdie Boy Relapse Tour is still on the road. Oklahoma City, Wichita, Kansas, Springfield, Missouri, Little Rock, Arkansas. So go to birdbirdbird.com to get your tickets. I'm sure dates were scrolling there. You can see your city. I will see you on the road. Thank you for everyone that was in San Diego, Las Vegas, and Albuquerque. Amazing shows. This hour is shaping up, and I'm very happy with it. We just have one bit, one bit that's late to the game that's going to be really good. We just got to get it there. We just got to get it there. Uh, today's podcast is a great podcast it's with Giannis Papas. Uh, I've, I've known Giannis for a while. Uh, he is one of the guys, one of the handful of guys in New York really killing it right now. He used to have the podcast History Hyenas. They broke that up. He now has Giannis Papas long days. He's on tour. He's at Soul Joel's in Jefferson, Pennsylvania, February 5th. Side Splitters in Tampa, February 10th. Comic Strip, Edmonton, Alberta, February 17th and 19th. The Comic Strip, New Westminster, British Columbia, February 24th for 26th. House of Comedy, Roar Comedy Club, LOL Comedy Club, all through March. Go see him. Go see him live. He is absolutely fantastic. On this podcast, we talk about a ton of shit. Most importantly, which I think is my favorite part, we talk about telling stories, but we talk about uh, growing up, what it was like for him to grow up in Brooklyn. Um, which you know, I grew up in the South, so I have never had any experience. I've barely, I've been to Brooklyn twice. He's got some great stories. He had some great stories. Yeah, I talk about his going to prep school. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the the preppy murderer, the BB gun boys, the BB gun boys. It's a it's a good podcast. It's two dudes hanging out just shooting the shit. I hope you enjoy it, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, my buddy, stand up comedian, podcaster, actor, across the board, Greek. We talk about Greece. Mm-hmm. We definitely talk about Greece. My buddy, Giannis Papas. This is It's amazing the shit you do for attractive women. I don't, you know, I, I wonder if <laughs> I, someone's smelling the other dogs in here. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to meet the other dogs. Have you seen no. my dogs? I've seen them in the, yeah, I've met them personally. But 140 so pounds? Yeah. They kind of like, they take, you know, if you... You haven't met him in person. See him on the gram. Hey, hey, uh, you get it, Pete? Why don't you take him out in the front yard and let him play so we can do a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Whitney. Hey, can he bring a dog so that we can during the podcast? Do you do you know how this is? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I think he's good. You know, like I just put him no. in the crate. She's like, please take him to Bert's. He needs. We have to be- we have a, we have a room. Oddly enough, our dog just got knee surgery. Uh-huh. Our our new. So we've we've had one bat- bull mastiff that had five knee surgeries. No pet insurance, paid for all of them. Oof. Yeah, it was fucking nut. And then, uh, and then we got a puppy to keep her young. She just got knee surgery. Both ACLs blown out. But we have pet insurance. So I don't give a fuck. And so um, we had we have a crate, a crate, not a crate, but like a little cage in there for our big bull mastiff sitting, so she, they can play with him out in the front yard. Are you a dog person? Yeah. yeah. Do you have? Do, do you have a dog growing I have a dog, up? Yeah. You have a dog at home. I have a dog now. Yeah. And uh, yeah. What kind of dogs do Greek people have? Is there a stereotype? Uh, just, as long as they're not Turkish, we're fine. <laughs> Can I tell you? I love, I love these subtle rivalries between countries. Yeah, we were in Serbia, and they were like, uh, they fucking something about Albanians, and I go, "What is it about Albanians?" And they're like, 
oh, they're they're horrible people. Yeah. And you're like, hold on. Like, you can't say that. And they're like, no, we can. No, we can. Yeah. We hate Albanians. We hate all of them. Yeah. And I was like, well, what if there was someone on set that was Albanian and heard you say that? How would they feel? And they go, oh, they'd know better not to speak up. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's all these, like, cute little racist rivalries of people from the outside. You're like, you guys are the same. Yeah. But then you get clear. It just lets you know people... People hate whatever's closest. People aren't necessarily, like, whatever's closest, they'll hate. Yeah. Like, I don't believe people are as racist as they are just shitty. Uh, Russia, Ukraine. Yeah. I mean, Greeks, Turks. I mean, it used to be like the city-states used to fight. The Greeks, they're all Greek, and they used to fight. Really? You look at World War One. it's all white people killing each other. Whatever's closest, we will hate. Do you think you'd be happier had you grown up in, like, turn-of-the-century Greece? Yeah. You mean which century though? Like turn this century, turn of the century, and you stayed in Greece, and you and you, maybe you, I don't. I mean, I'm trying to think of what you could do. Like uh, you're a butcher, or you you a fisherman. Yeah, and you had a beautiful. I mean, women turned so quickly back then. What do you mean turn? Like you know, now a woman shouldn't turn until like fifty, right? And then they start going sour, right? <laughs> Back in the fucking turn of the century, it was 25. At 25, you're like, oh, God, how many kids does she have? They're like, eight. She started at 14. Your tits are just sagging down. (laughs) But do you ever think, like, I always wonder, would I have been happier turn of the century living in Ireland, owning a pub? Well, we'd probably both be dead by now. Oh. Once you hit 40s, you're old. I would. I hadn't put that in to the equation. I would definitely be dead. Me too. You didn't think that one out. Yeah, we'd be dead. But we could have had a happier life to this point. Good point. I mean, simple life. Very simple. Fisherman. I would be a fisherman because I'm from the island of Crete. So I would have like a big... Pull up a map of Greece. Fucking Greece. Greece is always... And the only reason I'm talking so much about Greece, I saw you with fucking Stamos last night. Yeah, I mean, it was like a Greek festival last night. It's fucking crazy how like... how. I wish I I always say I wish I had that like when you look at like Ali Wong yeah and then like anyone I know Asian comes up to me go you know Ali Wong and you're like yeah like we love her we love her yeah we oh we we'll do anything for her we'll see any we buy her two two tickets to her shows just so that she gets the money and you're like that's great or or like uh 85 South my friends at 85 South man they go out and they do Kala fucking Seums yeah and it is an event the whole family comes out yeah Greek people it's like Nia Vardalos you John Stamos um dimitri martin to meet oh dimitri martin's really greek he's too. real greek his dad was a priest yeah do you know dimitri uh we've now just kind of started talking through stamos but we didn't really pass you know we didn't really meet each other in new york too much yet but you know it was inevitable for greek it's just gonna yeah we got us there's not a lot of us like if i was if i was south asian if i was like indian i'd be doing coliseums oh yeah God, but man. When yeah, he, yeah 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 when you're greek it's oh, like oh that's such a great fucking question yeah what ethnicity do you think you'd be achieving higher at if you were them? Asian or black. Indian? I'm going black. You going black? I'm, if I was black. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would well, have so much fun being black. Well, you'd have to think of something bigger than, like, you're doing the biggest oh, stuff wait, what now. what am I talking about? Oh, yeah. I'm st- you know, I, yeah, I'm, I, now I just have to put that in perspective because I'm, like, <laughs> kind of hacky as a white guy. If I was black, I'd be hacky as fuck, humping stools. <laughs> no. I'd, I'd have a towel over my shoulder. I'd be fucking have a big purple suit on. I'd be a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I'd say you'd be Kevin Hart because the next thing only level up would be, like, stadiums, like 100,000 people. Kevin Hart. That's it. You're doing Kevin. good right now as Burt. I'm doing pretty good as a white guy. And your ethnicity is just like Florida. 
Yeah. Yeah, you could say that. That's kind of like an ethnicity. It is kind of. Yeah. I, maybe I should lean into that. Yeah. You know what I'm thinking about doing for my next special? Leather pants. Ooh, I wouldn't do it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would do it. Yeah. That, I was thinking that's would, a big turn for you. That's a <laughs> How about leather shorts? <laughs> I would stay away from leather. Yeah. I don't know. Leather just seems uh, to have bad luck. Oh. Yeah. Who did someone did a, a special, the leather pants special, right? That was Schumer. She Schumer did. Pants? Yeah, she had like a leather, like leather one onesie on. It was like a leather jumpsuit or something. And she called it her leather special. Really? Yeah. Were you tight when who was your crew coming up? It was you? Me, Nate, me and Nate, Soder uh that was like the our generation a bunch of other guys um normand uh that was the generation that was us was, and I was, was schultz behind you guys schultz no schultz there too schultz was always doing his own thing schultz was planning his empire the whole time yeah yeah but he's yeah. an interesting guy to watch operate yeah he just he's he's on a different frequency he's on a different frequency he plays the game on his own speed there are things that i see comics there are things that that if you did, comics would mock you, and there are things he does that no one says a fucking word about, yeah. like t-shirt cannons. Yeah. If I had a t-shirt cannon, Bill Burr would be on the fucking internet mocking me. I would not have one person not making fun of me, and I saw it, and I was like, God damn, I can't believe I didn't think of t-shirt yeah. cannons. Well, I made fun of him on my podcast long days <laughs> because the t-shirts, like, that's how brilliant he is. Dude, have you seen what people will do for a t-shirt? People go fucking nuts. Like, when there was riots happening, I don't know why the cops just didn't put out t-shirt guns if you want to disperse a crowd or make them do whatever you want yeah. just be like who wants a free t-shirt and people go ah and you can just control the crowd oh, it's very hard following a t-shirt cannon have you ever tried to no i've never done it but there's a lot schultz of schultz is doing it i followed a i followed a comedian one time who had tape over his mouth and he mimed the whole show i think his name's man with tape on his mouth or something boy with tape on his mouth just to type it. Yeah, you're gonna get kinda, followed. I might get put on a list. Type in "boy with tape on his mouth." God, that's a fucked up name. Now that I think about it. Yeah, but now he's gonna get followed by the FBI. I'm gonna put comedy at the end of it. Yeah, there's gonna be a drone. There he is. That's him, Sam Willis. Sam Willis. He was a tough guy to fucking follow. No you words. Not, yeah, you you can play it. You're not gonna hear him say a fucking word. No words. This is and like big eyes, makeup, a bag. And it's just, he's a mime, right? But it's a different way of going about being a mime. He fucking destroyed at the Comedy Store in London. I mean, so I maybe speed it up to him doing something. It's only a three-minute clip. <laughs> speed it up to we him doing something. We can chop this up. To Even for, I mean, <laughs> tell me a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like he's just taking his shirt to the cleaners now. I mean, it's pretty fucking. I always wonder how you become like. How do you? How do you? At what point did he start dreaming about this? Being like, this is what I'm doing. Like he didn't have anyone to look up to, or there was no scene. Is no, like a... that's the thing with British comics. Yeah, have no fucking rules. Right. Like they just they they do, and they and there are guys that are throwbacks to like vaudeville acts. Yeah. Like they they. I, I played with the I played with the guy who wore a helmet with spikes on it, and the whole thing was people threw cabbage at him, and he caught it with the spikes on his head. Oh, yeah, and it was like, did he murder? Yeah, yeah, it's hard to fucking follow. Yeah. 
I mean, it's, it's, it's imagine doing your act and then putting on a fucking helmet with nails sticking out of it and going underneath your seat, you're going to find cabbage. Throw it at me. People will be like, this is the greatest fucking show I've ever seen. <laughs> it's the interesting thing. Because when you started, I remember everyone saying you were a throwback to my generation. They were like, I think Nate was like, dude, he just gets on stage and him at his best is just in the room. And I was like, I was like, oh, that's, I love that. It's, it's like, they're, let's see. Oh, I've seen this dude. And he, do, he also does the, he has like puppets that look like they're making out and holding each other. Or he has like a, he puts like a, it looks like him and a woman are making out. Yeah, you see, at this point, I would just take out a hose and hose these guys down. Yeah. That's what they need. Or you just go, hey, this is, the, oh, make it illegal. He's going to make it look like he's fucking him in the ass. <laughs> it's got to be what it is, right? I mean, what is going on right now? It's unfair. Like, I think when a guy grabs a guitar or anything like that, it's unfair. you should just be like, you got to close the show. I can't follow that. Yeah. Or if a fa- you know, it's or if just- a fat guy takes the shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, been, with- I've been put in that situation a few times <laughs> where, the, where people much funnier than me were like, ah, I'm not doing it. And you're like, hey, man, but I can't follow you. And they're like, I'm not going to follow you. There was this one dude in Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he used to do that. He, he produced the shows. And he was really fat. He wasn't like fun fat like you. <laughs> he was it's gonna like, be the name of my next special. <laughs> fun fat. Fun fat. <laughs> he was like fun uh, fat, not deadly fat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was falling out all over the place. And uh, you know, I don't know if it's worth the fucking standing ovation. No, I don't know. Yeah, that that act, and yeah. I, I understand that 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 one. I've seen him kill. He's funnier than that one bit. But keep going. Yeah, and he's, he has his slogan on stage was "Stay weird." I think there's like too many places with that slogan at this point. Yeah, it's like Austin. Austin, there's Easy. another. Pump your brakes, Austin. Yeah, just relax, dude. Yeah. You're not that fucking weird. <laughs> I go there twice a month. <laughs> I'm not impressed. I went there. I was like, this isn't that weird, man. It's it's I, not as weird as fucking Portland. It's not as weird as like New York, Lower East Side. If you grew up where I was, you know, you see like a. A woman who's like, uh, there's like a baby in her, and then she's got like a heroin needle hanging out, and she's doing, she's juggling. You're like, that's fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. While she's sucking dick and somebody's paying her crack money. I just stayed in the Tenderloin in San Francisco. Pretty fucking weird. That gets weird there. I saw a dog pick up human shit. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, yeah, Austin, relax. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I get, I agree with Austin sometimes because I go there so fucking much. Yeah. And I'm like, but I only see, I only see like two things. I see Tom's house and then our studio. That's not really Austin. It's like, I know. I fucking. That's like being friends with uh, like drug dealers or premiers of countries where you just fly in and you just go to their compound. Yeah. Those that. guys have like, yeah, they live. That's not Austin. You could go anywhere in any city and go to where the rich people are. I've been to Austin. I have been to Austin a bunch. The bats are cool. Their food truck scene's pretty, pretty legit. Yeah. The food in Austin's really good. Very good. Stand up's a good stand up was really good. Now it's I mean, I, I can't imagine it's anything but top notch. Yeah. You know, like because everyone I mean Tom was telling me he was on stage the other night. It was him, Ari, Shane Gillis, Mark Normand, Rogan. And I was like, in fucking Austin? Yeah. That's like a New York LA lineup. It was not yeah. an LA lineup Austin. anymore. Right. No. <laughs> it's it's changed not- now. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And you'll hear people go, "Dude, our, our scene still is good." And then, I mean, no disrespect, but no disrespect. But I have to be very candid. 
It's not. Right. I mean, it's not what I mean. When I was when the store was at its heyday, it was. I'm saying the most insane fucking lineups you've ever seen in your life. Uh, I remember one night it was Louis C.K. Daniel Tosh. This is before allegations. Louis C.K. Daniel Tosh, Bill Burr, um, Sebastian Maniscalco, me, Rogan, Judd Apatow. Not, I mean, huge, but you know, still Judd Apatow, mm. and a please allow for Martin Lawrence. And you're uh, like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. oh and then eliza whitney uh, you know like just also tom Segura, like you know just and yeah. i just remember the, those names and being and being like well this is not i mean i don't i i, I didn't enjoy it to be honest with you because i was like you can't do new material yeah yeah i'm going i got bumped by judd louis and daniel yeah and i was like and i was cool with it yeah but i was like what am i, I gotta do yeah, you know, New York, New York, New York comics always had this thing. I think they just held on to it because, like, we were in New York, and that was the thing that New York comics held on to. Like, you know, we're the city that's fancy. Dude, L.A. has plenty of great comics, and the lineups are, if not as good, better. It's the same. Yeah. Like, it's like there's good comics, or at least there were in L.A. In there New York. are. There still are. It's just yeah. the lineups aren't name as impressive, right? Like, then they were. The, I mean. I remember just David Spade, Norm Macdonald. I mean, obviously he's passed, but but check this out. If they did like a Me Too lineup right now, yeah, it would be first of all they could do a tour, and it would be probably the best comedy show of all time. If you put everyone who's had some controversy on a lineup, oh, you got Bill Cosby headlining. B I mean, Bill Cosby, that's a ticket. That's a ticket. <laughs> that's a ticket price. Right I there. mean, there's a bunch of killers on that lineup. <laughs> <laughs> open strong in the middle oh i mean what would louis would be in the middle you close with cosby oh he let me tell you something i made a, I made a big miscalculation the other night and uh found out he was at the theater next door to me yeah so i texted him i was like hey man you want to come hang out yeah he's like yeah comes hangs out have a drink getting ready to go on stage I go fuck it you want to go off stage and he's like i'd love to he's like are you sure you're cool with that and i was like i thought he was saying it because of you know he had gotten into some trouble he was saying it because he's like, I'm Louis fucking CK, and you want me to do 10? Because I think you're going to be digging yourself out of a hole. <laughs> I was buried. Yeah. I mean, he, he's did, he did 10 minutes of murderous pedophile jokes. <laughs> and, and I was, I'm crying laughing, going like, oh, fuck. And then I go out on stage, and I'm so used to, I'm so used to just going and and because you know I the guys i follow are just regular comics or not louis ck that i sat and worked for the first 10 minutes until i got my rhythm and got them with me and then i was like okay thank god holy shit but then he stayed watched my set gave me notes and was like and told me i think you should shoot your special in greece yeah I swear to god he said that he said greece is an insane comedy scene i heard about that gaffigan told me about that gaffigan yeah. and louis gaffigan yeah. said the same fucking yeah. thing yeah i'm thinking about doing some shows in greece in uh in june july so i'm taking my kids to italy yeah and uh because george is going to college so i was gonna you know for a present take the whole family to italy and i was like why not fucking bang out greece stockholm like do a little fucking tour you should man i've done tours in europe they're fun yeah shit that would be cool to do it in greece would you do it like in an old amphitheater like if they have if that's available that would be sick I would love that. Yeah. I would love that more than anything. Just white everywhere, just marble. Yeah, Greece is probably one of the most beautiful countries. It is. There's there's a lot of beauty there, and um, that's funny when you go there and they take you to the tourist sites. Like you know, you go here and you go to like Charleston. And they're like, 
that right there is 200 years old. And you're like, that's fucking old. <laughs> and then you go to Greece and you're like, that there is 3,500 years old. You're like, oh shit, that's, that's the real deal. That is. That's fucking old. So wait, how, when was the first time, when was the first time you went back to Greece? Uh, when I was you were born little, in New York, right? I was born in New York. I was born in, yeah, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. And uh, well, How cool is it to be from Brooklyn, New York? It's lost its cachet. It used to be. Like when I went to camp as a kid, you know, and you told people you were from Brooklyn, they were like, whoa, you're from Brooklyn. How are you alive? Yeah. You know? And they're like, what's Puerto Ricans like? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, cool. But now, you know, it's lost its cachet. Like anyone can be from Brooklyn. You yeah. Know? it's hey, I'm from Brooklyn. And you're like. Yeah, it's not the same thing. What was your Brooklyn like? My Brooklyn was bad. It was bad. New York was bad. It was really. So you're 35? Why not? I'll stick with that. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. why not? Yeah. Okay. I, that's what I identify as. <laughs> I yeah. identify as 40. Yeah. <laughs> I also identify as an XL. <laughs> and that's real. Like, I yeah. really cannot come to terms with saying double xl yeah. and it's so much more comfortable see i identify as a large i'm fat like you like we're like if you saw us like it's just all here yeah oh yeah yeah oh, yeah, yeah yeah you got the same thing i got it's like i have like i'm you're skinny everywhere and then you just have like yeah someone told me they're like i didn't know you had bitch legs and i went no i have regular fucking legs yeah. it just they look weird attached to my stomach yeah you're regular everywhere except yeah. like we're pregnant yeah it looks like we have our ass on backwards <laughs> Like, how did your ass get on the front? Oh, yeah. New York was bad, man. It really was. It was like, you know, we had Colin when uh, back when we were, me and Chris were doing History Hyenas, we had Colin Quinn on and we talked about it for because Colin Quinn's from my neighborhood. We're both from Park Slope. We talked about it for like 40 minutes. And like it was back then, it was just like if you lived there, you knew it. It was just a horrible place. And I hate when people glorify like that's when it had grit. I was like, fuck that, dude. I wanted out of there. Yeah. It was dangerous. It sucked. And you'd get jumped. I had this joke on my old special. It was like, if you turned the corner, and it's true, it would happen all the time. You turned any corner, you'd see like 20 kids there, and you'd just go, oh, fuck. There used to just be like groups of feral kids, like yeah. just hanging out, and you'd turn a corner, you'd, and you'd be like, ah, and you'd lose your hat, your jacket, something would happen. Like That's in, there was a, there was a version of that in Florida, but it was, it was, uh, you're fishing and two kids pull up on a boat oh uh, yeah it's like or, pirate shit it was it was there was a version of that that i distinctly remember of and it, it's I, I wonder if this is but being genuinely terrified yeah and going like oh, i i i can't I, if i run right now then i look weak well how are you maybe, gonna run on a boat no 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 they'd be yeah. on a boat yeah and you'd be on the dock fishing or, oh and they just come up and they go uh what lures are you using or something and you're like right. oh using shiners and they're like okay and they just pull up the thing and you're like oh we're getting fucked with like they're gonna they're gonna do something and usually it was something sexual like that's the problem with the south is like i feel like so many people were fucking molested down there that it was like i remember i remember these kids that's, coming. that's kind of gangster get rolled up on by boat by sea oh it was in a lake they'd be from across the lake you uh, see, like, shoot, like the, i mean well, I, wouldn't you have plenty of time to like plan an escape no, if you no. saw them coming you never no because <laughs> you never started packing up your shit yeah like you'd, you'd have everything out oh uh, yeah and they'd or you'd be you'd be you'd be in a boat or like because we we were on a lake so we were on a lake a lot or you'd be on your bikes and kids would roll up on their bikes i remember when we moved in this neighborhood these kids came up with bb guns and they were like uh they were like hey you got to the count of 10 we're gonna hunt you and um I was, we were like oh we don't want to be hunted and they were like <laughs> 
we're not into that. They're like one. <laughs> we don't want to play that game. Two, yeah. and you're just like three. You're like no, 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 no. You're and everyone's like, everyone's like, start fucking running. Yeah, yeah. And we, me and this kid, hid in a house that was being built. We hid in the chimney. Yeah. We climbed up the chimney and like scissor fucked ourselves against the wall <laughs> with our backs, and it's terrifying. And then those same kids were hunting a boy in in our lake like there was when during like when it was drought you'd do little parts of an islands would pop up in the lake yeah and they were hunting a kid in the lake and my dad um got in, involved and he was like hey the fuck are you guys doing and i'm like dad they got pb guns dad they got pb guns i mean there's like i wonder if that's where my anxiety comes from probably yeah i mean it's i know probably a- mine comes from that just like always having to die it's funny you got like you have to worry about like the navy and i had to worry about like the, the army we i was attacked by land you were attacked by sea oh we oof. could we could really like come together and tell teach kids how to stay safe it's like here bert will tell you how to watch the water i'll tell you how to like where are they going to come for you on land that's fucking gangster to be hunted yeah that's well, like it's yeah terrifying. it's like hey florida's good but you know there's some you, you might get hunted by people by guys by kids yeah it was yeah. uh and then oh yeah yeah uh, and See, then, I, we were always terrified of like like when you're people like oh if you can survive in new york you can make it anywhere it's like no you can just survive like in that type of environment i couldn't survive in the woods i couldn't survive in florida if some kids rolled up on me by boat i have no frame of reference of how to uh get away from escape from a boat i'll tell you something that kids in florida know very 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 acutely is um sound travels insanely on water Hmm. so a number of times we would be either on a boat or on on a shore on the river or in my in my lake and you'd say something and they heard everything you said everything you said like the littlest things could be heard on water it traveled so well we one time we were like we were my buddies were all in a boat on the river and there were these kids on the land and we were we said something and they were like yeah I'm sure we said something pretty horrible by standards today's standards <laughs> to these two to these two boys <laughs> two guys and uh and uh one of them was like one of them had big lats and uh my buddy my buddy he edited his name out was like uh I got a hook in here I'm gonna grab the fucking hook and my buddy edited his name out was like all right pull up pull up the boat we're gonna jump out and then grab the hook and the guy goes, grab your fucking hook. And he's on the thing. We're like, oh, they fucking hurt us. And he was like, grab your hook. And he goes, runs out and then goes, get something. All of a sudden, he comes down with his big brothers. We're like, get going, get going, get going, get going. And then they get on the boat. I had so many times where I had one time these kids, I was at my dad's office and my, my dad's secretary goes, uh, I walked out and I heard, I remember hearing ting, ting. I pulled up and I heard ting, ting. And I was like, oh, that's odd. I don't know what that is. I went in and my dad's secretary goes, uh, hey, uh, can, these boys are shooting BB guns at the cars. Can you get them to stop? Just scare them. So I go back and they're maybe they're like 12 years old. I'm 16, 17. And I was like, I come over the thing. I go, hey, I sit with the BB guns. And this kid just fucking pulls up and hits me. I go, what the fuck? And he goes, just get back in your car. And I go, hey, put down the fucking BB guns. Don't, don't shoot them anymore. And he lifts it up. I go, if you fucking shoot me, I'm going to kick your ass. And he goes, you ain't kicking no one's ass. And he shoots me. And then they run inside, right? And so I was like, fuck. So I leave to go do a drop i was a runner for my dad's office i do a drop i come back and they're standing on a picnic table in their backyard now their backyard was maybe 10 feet lower there was a there was a uh, like a fence here where you all parked our cars so i was on a fence 
And maybe it was a 10-foot drop to their backyard from the top of the fence. And they're standing on a, on a fucking thing, and they're like, hey, whatever racial slur you want to call me, you know, sexuality things yeah. that you probably can't say anymore. Yeah. Hey, motherfucker. And yeah. they're kids. Yeah. And they go, I thought you were going to kick our ass. And I, yeah. and I walked up the fence. I go, yeah, you don't put those fucking... And both the kids raised their PP guns. I go, don't fucking do it. And they go, what are you going to do? I said, you shoot me. I jump over here, and I beat the shit out of both of you. And they just smiled. Both shot me in the tits. <laughs> and I fucking jumped over the oh, fence. And as I got one leg over their fence, their 25-year-old brother came out around the corner. And he was like, you the fuck? You think you're going to kick? And I'm like, motherfucker, motherfucker. I mean, real panic. Ran and got in my car, locked the doors, and was like, ah, ah, somebody was my dad. Someone get me. And the guy got up my thing. He was like, get out of the fucking car. And I was like, definitely not getting out of the car. And I just backed up and left. And I was like, and and I had anxiety about going to my dad's office for the rest of my fucking life. You got traumatized. Wow, I love that. They were like, challenge accepted. You were like, you hit me with that. God. I'm jumping over this fence. And they were like, ah, we have an ace in the hole you don't know about. Big brother. A grown-up brother. A grown-up brother. Yeah. Yeah, big brothers up. fucking sucked. They called in artillery. Uh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. So you could tell you would tell kids like, dude, if you're gonna talk shit by a lake, like use sign language, because they can fucking hear you. So many times. Yeah. So many times we talked. I bet you. I wonder if like Navy dudes know that they're like, they yeah, have to. Russian submarines around. This, should, it, whatever you say, it carries. Were you the oldest in your family? The youngest. That's why I'm doing. That's why I became this. Really? Me and my brother. Yeah. My oldest brother. My parents had me. My mom was 43. My dad was almost 50, which is like what everyone's doing now, you know? (laughs) But back then it was like, if your mother did that, you're like, you're Jesus, because that's not possible. (laughs) Yeah, 43 was, 43 is old to have, for women to have kids now. Yeah. 50 is like regular. Yeah. That's like the majority of dads I know. Everyone's, yeah, everyone, but everyone's just doing it later and later. Like, let's take some fertility drugs and we create some weird science triplets that aren't supposed to be here. Whitney hasn't even had hers yet. No, she's frozen her eggs. She'll She'll get them fucking when she's 70. Yeah, I think she's like, she might have given birth to that dog. I don't know. She's like, she's got dogs there. I broke up a dog fight at her house. It was pretty crazy. I think I might have saved her life. Yeah, she texted that this morning. She was like, I think you saved my life last night. (laughs) It's wild. So I got over there. I was in San Diego doing shows. I came over. We watched the game. And then later at night, I heard like a commotion upstairs. And uh, I was like, is there, I was like, wow, crime in LA is getting bad. I think Whitney's getting attacked by a rabid homeless person in a room or a, I don't know, it was a mountain lion trying to kill her. So I just ran up the stairs and I see her and it looks like Michael Vick's apartment. There's just like a dog fight <laughs> happening and Whitney's going, oh, no, stop, stop. And so we, I helped her break up the fight. I grabbed the hind legs and she grabbed the hind legs and we were pulling and we were pulling and trying to pull them apart, but they were like locked in. There's blood everywhere. And uh, during the fight, Whitney goes, stick your finger in his ass. That's the fucking move. <laughs> That's the move. And I was like, Dude, I don't know. Like in the middle of this, I heard that. And I just like almost started laughing. It was just a moment. Cause you can't really find, you know, you can't really find the ass yeah. during a pit bull fight. Yeah. I understand in theory. That's like everything in theory is perfect. But once you try to implement into a reality, stick your finger in his ass. <laughs> You're like, stick your finger in his ass. It's already in his ass. It's like I, they're fighting. I can't, you know, if ass. I could have got the finger in first before the fight started, then wiggled it to stop it. But I'm not going to be able to penetrate during the fight. Oh, Whoever mean- can do that is Caesar Milan. Maybe that's it. That would be great if you were just put it in your mouth, you get it lubed up. It's like, what are you doing? You're like, I got to I want to Or I just stuck it in my own ass, and I'm like, I heard. I guess I heard you wrong. That didn't do anything. Stick your finger in my ass. Wait, what? Where? Who's? What? 
Oh. So then we pulled him apart, and it was just like blood everywhere. And uh, you know, her boyfriend's a vet, and he just happened to come home, and he's just like tending the wounds. And serious? for a second, I just got a feeling of what it must have been like at at Michael Vick's house. That's that's. By, by the way, did you guys get attacked by dogs as kids? We, were, we got attacked by dogs in Florida all the time. Yeah, I've, I never got attacked by Chased. dogs. Chased. Yeah, but we were, like, me and my friends were, we were, like, there would always be, like, uh, like if you go to a fence, there would always be a dog there that, like, whatever building, you know, they'd have a crazy dog there to protect whatever, and we'd yeah. go fuck with the dog through the fence, like, stand by me, <laughs> you know? Chopper, sick balls, chopper, that kind of shit. There was a kid, Corky Gaines. I've to- I know I've told this story before. I think I found this kid, Corky Gaines. He's a scientist. I think it's him, uh-huh. but he's not. I think because he heard my story, he's not admitting it that it's him. But there's no chance there's two Corky Gaineses in this world. Uh, that's probably it. Corky Gaines. Corky Gaines. Corky Gaines was his name. My mom used to drive him to school. He smelled like baloney. If you told my sister, if I called my sister right now and I go, tell me one thing about Corky Gaines, he goes, he smelled like baloney. That's the uh, that's the odor <laughs> of the lower middle class. It's I I fucked yeah. some chick one time and she smelled like baloney. Yeah, and I was like, I guess she has had a baloney sandwich, right? Yeah. So I. I ended up dating her. The next day, I had sex with her again. She smelled like bologna again. And I, and I spent the night. She was like, uh, "What do you do? You want something to eat this morning?" I was like, "I'll just take a bologna sandwich." She's like, "I don't have any bologna sandwiches." And I was like, "Oh, that's just what you smell like." <laughs> I ended up dating her for two years. Yeah, and I, I, you, I know you, the you, smell. Yeah, yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Liquid IV. So many, so much of my happiness, and here is my happiness journal right now is represented by hydration. If I am hydrated, I am happy. My back doesn't hurt, I sleep well. My blood pressure is down. This is all me. I'm not saying across the board this will change for you, but hydration is the key to everything. I don't wake up a morning on the tour without killing a liquid IV. I'll tell you right now, liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than just water alone. It it contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C, with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free. Uh, I, I love it. I can't live without it. I do it every single morning. I And they taste amazing. The flavors, lemon, lime, watermelon, strawberry, pina colada, and more. Grab Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the promo code BERT at checkout. That is 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code BERT at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today at liquidiv.com and use the promo code BERT. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here in honor of the big game. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get $280 in free bets if your team wins, I love DraftKings because they have so many betting options and offer opportunities to win huge prizes. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbooks isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers get a free shot at $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use the promo code BERTCAST, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's the promo code BERTCAST at DraftKings Sportsbook, 
an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text TN Redline. That's 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. So Corky Gaines says to me, maybe we're in first grade, and he goes, Hey, we're watching the, I think they were Asian. We're watching the Wang's house next door. Wait, you think they were Asian? The Asian people. There were like two Asian, there were like three Asian families in our neighborhood. Our, right. our neighborhood was pretty redneck. Yeah. I've it never was, heard that though. I've never heard anyone go, I think they were Asian. They're easy. No, they, to, no, they were definitely they, Asian. Yeah, they, they were definitely, that's, I think there were three. Okay, that's what so, it is. And I think there were three and I think they had brought each other over. Because Asians are easy to identify. Yeah. No, 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 no. As Our, a group, individually, it's a little hard. Like sometimes Ali Wong's one of my good friends, but sometimes I think I see her a lot. So I just try to recognize her by her glasses. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there she is. That's if her, she takes her. her glasses off, I'm like, where's Ali? Where's Ali? Oh, there she is. She, uh, no, they were definitely, the people that live right next door to us were Asian. Uh-huh. The people that lived across the street from us were Asian. Mm-hmm. And then the people that lived next to Corky Gaines were Asian. We had a Venezuelan They're in that neighborhood. Everywhere. Huh? And then that was it. That was yeah. it. And then everyone was white as fuck. Like right. a sheriff lived next door to us. Uh, a guy that owned a footlocker. Like it was very, 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 very white. Uh-huh. So Corey's like, I think I, I'm, we're watching the Wang's house or whatever. I think his name's, I think they're the. It's a good guess either yeah. way. Yeah. We're watching or Chans or the Chans. Yeah. We're watching their house. They have a pool and they said we can go swimming there. Why don't you get your bathing suit? Come over and we'll go swimming. I was like, okay. So I went to his front door and I was in my Speedo and I had a towel. No flip flops. He went barefoot everywhere in Florida. Corky Gaines comes out in a bathing suit and a towel and he just shuts his front door and he goes, all right, let's go. So we walk over and he goes to their fence. He goes, all right, I'm going <laughs> to check to see if their dog's out. If it's not, we're cool. Okay, but if not, I got to get my mom to put the dog in or something. I go, okay. So he goes in their backyard, and I'm sitting there waiting, sitting there waiting. The door's open. The door's kick open, and it's Corky sprinting, and he goes, dog! <laughs> and he's getting chased by a full-blown Doberman pincher. And and it, I swear to God, my life passed in front of my eyes because I stood there. Corky ran past me. I see the dog running. I'm like, Oh my god! I'm about to get attacked by a dog, and it just kept tasting tor- Corky. <laughs> was locked in a car. And then, and then he just kept running down the street, and I just sat there and I was like, <laughs> "So he just walked home." And my mom's like, "What happened to Corky?" I go, "I don't know. I don't know. I don't, about think, we're ever, I don't think we're gonna see him tomorrow." <laughs> Let's turn on the news and see. Maybe if he's not on the news, he may be fine. So many times in Florida, as a kid, you would get chased by a dog, and you'd end up standing on those green, those green transfu- transformer boxes, yeah. and just being wait for your parents to come get you because some dogs just going. Hah! yeah i would think i would think in brooklyn when you grew up there would be stray animals there were uh, there were i mean like if you see like it's like a stray pit or something you're just in the wrong neighborhood really yeah out of the pit yeah how far was the and i don't know is i don't know if this is real yeah but like how far was like the black neighborhood from yours close i live so park slope where i grew up was like uh kind of like it kind of touched uh crown heights do you remember the crown heights riots no. That was like a big thing when like David Dinkins 
was mayor and there was like big riots, like race riots. That was like, that's like 10 minutes from my, you could walk there. Like I had friends who lived there. We'd go there to buy weed. That's where um, you'd get your bike stolen when you went to go get weed. Really? Yeah. One time I, yeah. So Crown Heights and, and Park Slope kind of touch. And we go to Crown Heights to get weed. And uh, we'd, we'd always like, uh, you know, we would always assign someone to go get it. And you went, you were like, we'd all, we, it was like a soldier going off. We'd be like, we'd shake his hand. We'd do like a thing. It was like a Japanese fighter pilot going in World War II. We're like, if you don't make it back, you know, we get it. <laughs> Nobody wanted to go. Nobody wanted yeah. to get picked. So I remember it was my turn and I took my, my friend Nick's bike. This is a true story. And he was like a Nick Michonne. And uh, I guess you can leave his name. He doesn't watch podcasts. Um, he, uh, he used to build bikes. So he would put them together into like expensive parts. And he was like, I guess you can take my bike. And I went, so you what in, in, in Brooklyn where you go to the weed spot back in the day, it was owned by Jamaicans and you knew it was a weed spot because it was just a store and there was just Utz chips and bulletproof grass. And you, so that's all that was in the store. You'd walk in and there'd be like, There'd be like one bag of Utz chips on a shelf and like yeah. with an expiration date, like 1972. <laughs> and then you'd go up and you just get your weed. So I pulled the bike in. It was a rainy night. I can't remember. And I, I set it like by the door, right? Because I never went. And I, you're just scared the whole time. Because you're going into a neighborhood. Bad things can happen. It's a bad neighborhood. Yeah. Right? So, and I remember just turning around and seeing, I went to the, I walked to the counter. I was getting the dime bags or whatever. And I remember just turning around to check on the bike. And I must have been in there 13 seconds. So it was like, as soon as they saw me coming to the neighborhood, they must have just, it's like just vulture. Like they were just on it. Yeah. Because I was in there maybe 12, 13 seconds. I turn around. All I see is the front wheel just like going out the door. And the, like the bells on the door just going clank, 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 clank. <laughs> I was just So then like I finished paying for the weed. But the whole time now I'm going like, how am I going to get home? Because, like, uh, I got to go outside and walk. And you don't want to walk. You want to be able to get away fast. Yeah. So I just, I took the weed, put it in the bag. And then I just opened the door and just started sprinting. I sprinted the whole way. I sprinted the whole way. I didn't stop. I didn't run. I didn't know. And in my mind, I thought there was, like, a rap video chasing me. Yeah. I, I didn't know what was going on. Because in my mind, I'm like, I didn't know what was out there. I don't know who had the bike, what was out there. And I thought it was, like, a Mob Deep video type of situation. <laughs> and I just fucking booked. Until and what happens is you get to the deep video situation. <laughs> you get to the Bro the Brooklyn Public Library is like where you know you're getting to Park Slope, which is like it gets a little safer. Yeah. So I did all the way to the Brooklyn Public Library. It's like uh, if people want, if you like rap, special ed shot an old video in the Brooklyn Public Library. So you ran till there, and then I got there, and I kind of look back, and there's just nothing there. But in my mind, it was like I was, was getting chased. Dun 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 dun. They're on fucking four wheelers. Dun 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 dun. And they're shooting at me. That's a great fucking analogy. It's a mob deep video happening behind me. And but then I felt guilty about losing this kid's bike, especially since like. I got it taken from negligence, really. I should have kept the bike with me. You should have had it, yeah. I shouldn't have just left it by the door. So I was like, what do I do? I, I can't. I, and this is just a decision a kid makes. So I'm like, all right, I, I just feel guilty about telling him I lost his bike. So I'm like, I don't want to tell him I lost it that way. So I said, I got to make up a story. Like, I got to, I was like, I'm just going to say I got into a fight. You know, I tried to save the bike. I fought, you know, and, and then I was like, all right, I got to do what I got to do. I got to make it real. I got to look like I took some fire. So I started punching myself. Oh. I punched myself a bunch. 
this bunch of myself. Right? And I was like, you got, you know, it's a little red, but I got to go for the, I got to make it real. So I just fucking, true story. I just fucking punched myself in the mouth until it bled a little bit. And then I got back there because I wanted to come back like a hero. I didn't want to yeah. come back like downtrodden or like a pussy. Yeah. So I came back and I was like, I, dude, I, and he's like, are you all right? I was like, man, they fucking, there was like 500 of them. It was like a Mob Deep video. <laughs> I was like, they got me, dude. I, you know, I, I think I got one or two. I really fucked up one or two, but they got the bike, man. They got the bike. And then I just held up. But I was like, but I got the weed. And so I was kind of like, there was like a slow Rudy. Like I was, I, I was like, I came home like a victorious soldier. Yeah. You know, as opposed to the pussy that really should have been banished or executed for uh, leaving his bike like that. Dude, I, punching yourself in the face. I did it like a maniac. I think there was even a woman walking on the other side looking at me going like, what are you doing? I punched myself in my face when I was 16 uh, in a fight where I said, uh, this guy fucking pulled me out of my car. He was in a fucking IROC. And I pulled into a bank. He was, he, I honked at him. And he was like, what the fuck? And I was like, go fuck yourself. He goes, you want some? I was like, I want all of it. And he was like, I was with two friends. I was, and I was like, pulled into this bank. He pulled up behind us. I looked at my buddy, Sal, who I got into, a, I got, Sal and I got into a lot of fights together. Yeah. Sal was a guy that wasn't afraid to throw a punch. Now you got to leave his name in. So, so. <laughs> yeah, you making him look good. I mean, Sal was a like, fucking, yeah. he was not yeah. scared of anything. Yeah. And I look at Sal and I go, uh, I go, hey, uh, there's, there might be like a bat in the bunk of my, back of my drawer, car. And I, as I say that, I see someone at Sal's window mm -hmm. and I see Sal's eyes light up and I light up at the guy at his window they're both at our windows and they grab both of us and pull us through our windows like fucking our Dukes of Hazzard and they're fucking humongous yeah. they're humongous and easily five years older than us mm -hmm. and uh which meant a lot back then a lot yeah. they were grown men yeah. they had fucked we had not fucked yeah. yet and we got out and Sal was like Sal went ballistic like was like they threw him on the hood of the car and then he slid over to my side and I'm standing out and this guy's holding me. And he's like, you fucking want something? And I was like, and Sal goes, you can't fucking hurt us. And he's like, we're fucking crazy. And Sal like punched out of his face. And I was like, I was like, yeah. And I punched my eyes so fucking hard. It started closing within the time that we were talking shit to the guy. Cause he let go of us. And we were still talking shit. And I'm like, I'm like, oh fuck man. I can't see out of my eye. And and Sal's, and then, and then, and then Alan Rieger, if I'm not mistaken, Alan Rieger jumped in the front seat of the car and took off. He took off and left Sal and I there by ourselves. I'm not, I'm going to call Sal. I got it. That's got to be what happened. And fucking, and, and my eye closed up and then we went to a party and everyone's like, you got pretty fucked up. And Sal, God bless him, never told him like, oh, he punched himself. <laughs> He was like, he punched himself. I had a fucking black eye for a while. I wonder that. if you could really throw a dude off if, like, you're about to get into a fight and you're like, you want to fight, and then you just start punching yourself. He did. Dude's, they like, didn't, they, dude's they, like, I don't want it. This dude's crazy. They backed off us and they were yeah. like, all right, hey, man, guys, calm down. And then Alan Rieger took off. They're like, your friend's gone. And we were like, he's going to get other people. And we're like, I hope. Yeah. And he just took off. I, when you said I, that maybe there's a bat in the back of the IROC, I almost feel like when you buy an IROC, they show you the bat in the back. I feel like it comes with the bat. Can I tell you the joke I've been trying to write all week? Absolutely. The manliest car has the word trans in it. <laughs> a trans Am. Yeah. It was like a badass car. Yeah. And now it's now it's like, it oh, that's so. Yeah, it shouldn't be called Trans Am anymore. It's just an Am. 
He's like, we identify as a trans am, yeah. but we identify male. Yeah. Just you so you know. Just am. Just am. Um, it's an am. So so did what was like what was high school in Brooklyn like? Well, I went so yeah. Did you get I, shipped off to different parts of the city? Yeah, like well, so I grew up my Park Slope was like very diverse and socioeconomically diverse. So like I lived above what was like Seventh Avenue. My parents were lawyers. My dad was like a lawyer. My mom was like a human rights lawyer. And uh, so I was like the one friend who went to private school. Oh, for I was real? like, yeah. I, so I would go to, I went to Manhattan and I would go to, I'd go to like private school. But I went to public school till. Oh, and your parents were grownups too at that time. They were like grandparents. Yeah. yeah they were all like all my. I How old's your oldest? My oldest brother is 62 uh, now or one. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah. So I was the baby by a lot. And um, yeah. So. It, I had like, yeah, I had a friend like Dame, my, my buddy Damien, his, his mom had him when he was like 18. I think I dated his mom at some point. <laughs> and my parents would come in. Yeah, my, my parents were just like so, like everyone's parents back then were like 20 years older than them or like 24 years old. Everyone had kids in yeah. their 20s. My parents were 20, my dad's 72. I'm, my dad's 20, was 23 when he had me. Yeah, and my parents were like the only parents. So people always ask if they were my grandparents and stuff like that. Really? Yeah, and so, just, so you went to a private school? I went to a private school, yeah. I went to actually, the school I went to was called York Prep. Um, it was where Liv Tyler went. I was friends with Liv. She was a little younger than me, but I would live. She was cool. And um, and uh, Robert Chambers, which I don't know if you ever knew about Robert Chambers. I was he the preppy rapist? Yes. He was from York Prep. He put our school on the map. Dude. <laughs> yeah, Robert Chambers. When he yeah. twisted the doll's head off, he <laughs> fucking put himself in jail. Yeah, because he was gonna get away with it. He, yeah, and and that. So wait, tell the stories for people that don't know the story. Yeah, but did the news reach you that? Because that, that was like back when local news dominated. They made they made a um they made a, a made for TV movie about. That's it. where you saw it. Yeah, because back then, like when we were growing up, it was like local news was everything. So this was like the story in New York for a long time. So he went to York Prep. So the story is. He went to York Prep, and then there was a girl who went to another private school somewhere. They had a date. They went to Central Park in Manhattan. And, uh, you know, date went wrong, it's safe to say. At some point, uh, he killed her. And so he, he, he raped her and then killed he her? He raped her and killed her. Or during sex, or uh, sec, like he killed her while they were having sex. They were, it, they were definitely like, it wasn't, they knew each other and they were on a date, right? So, yeah, he raped and killed her, I guess. Uh, he claimed rough sex gone bad, whatever. But um, he killed her. Her name was... Was it Jennifer Levin? Or was that That's the one? That actually sounds Was right. that the one Gary Condent killed? No. Oh, yeah. hold on. Uh, who, who is, what's the name? Of I think Gary Condent did 9-11. Because as soon as 9-11 happened, Gary Condent Gary was Condit. out of the news. Yeah, yeah, Jennifer Levin. Jennifer Levin. It was, her name was Jennifer Levin, right? Yeah. yeah. He got arrested July 2021 for selling controlled substances. Oh, yeah. No, he's been like bad. He's like a bad. He's, he keeps. You don't accidentally rape and murder yeah, someone you know? once and then go, I swear to God, that's the only time that'll yeah. happen. I just assumed he was still in prison for that, though. He got out, right? And then now he's back, I guess. Yeah. And so it was a whole big story. And then they caught footage of him at like a party where he was making fun of Jennifer Levin with a doll, like an effigy. And he like twisted the head off, like yeah. showing that, he, you know, it was just. I've actually done a deep dive on him since a couple of yeah. times. It was released from Auburn. He moved to Auburn. Yeah. Um, Robert Chambers. So he was called like the preppy murderer. And he like came from sort of. But here's the thing. He went to school like York Prep. York Prep was a school like that where there was like um, there was like some rich kids and then there was like kids like him who weren't that rich, but that would go there. 
And because uh, he was not that rich, he was sort of, he was, um, I think he was like kind of lower middle class. And yeah. Maybe he went there because of grades or something. And yeah, he murdered a girl, and it was big news in New York. Big that's, news. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, was those those new those Manhattan, went to York. Manhattan prep schools were like uh, like there's different types of prep schools. Like I I knew people who went to. Um, to like boarding schools the boarding schools always seemed so fucking cool like i was but i remember not wanting to leave my family yeah but like i was like i couldn't live away from my family but then you'd hear of kids go to boarding schools and they always came back with drug problems yeah i mean hardcore drug problems and, and then i went to what what was a jesuit school and so what's weird is i identify with jesuit kids mm. like because we had the same i always want to feel like they were always cuban because like there was a big Jesuit in Miami. Uh, it's a big Jesuit school in Tampa and Jesuit schools in like, they were across the country. But I always felt like every time I met someone that went to a Jesuit school, they were Cuban. Hmm. Hmm. Cuban kids were our, Cuban kids were our, I don't know what, what you are. I never really met any Puerto Rican kids growing up. Right. They were only, yeah. Puerto Ricans are like New York. They, we had, yeah. We had some, I guess, but like, yeah. like there was one kid in our class that was uh, Puerto Rican. But like for the most part, everyone was Cuban. Yeah, you were my yeah Cuban, and they were Republican hard. Cubans uh, go Republican. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. a Romeo and Juliet story in a Cuban family would be like bringing home a Democrat. You wouldn't want to bring a Democrat home to your grandma. Cuban dads are so fucking funny. Yeah, Cuban dads. I want to say like my sense of humor, my sense of I, like I, I didn't learn. When did you learn you were funny? Um. Yeah, because at, at begin at when I was first going to school, I was shy and quiet. Really, I was like really quiet, and then I'd say about fourth, fifth grade, then I became the class clown, and really? I was that forever. When I I was I was very serious up until eighth grade. I was probably seri pretty serious in high school. However, I learned... I feel like you're like Clark Kent and Superman. It's like maybe like the first time you took off your shirt and then you just became hilarious. No, no, I, I maybe I was shirts shirt, on. Got, you're like I got shirtless you? pretty quick in, in high school. In high school, I would rip my shirt off. It was a great way to start the fucking pep rally. I was like, uh, <laughs> "Well, you're from Florida. Like having a shirt off is like you could go to work like that, right? Yeah, in Florida, well, Bucks games. Yeah, I mean, Bucks games when I was a kid. Like if you come to a party in Florida with a shirt on, people are like, didn't you? You're supposed to dress up for this party, Florida. Type Take in, type in uh, Bucks game seventies and ju just uh, fans. And it, I remember everyone was shirtless at Bucks games. Really? Everyone was shirtless. Nah, do the 1970s. In Milwaukee? No, in, oh, in the Buc oh, the Buccaneers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the Buccaneers. Yeah. And I remember there were so many shirtless men at those games. I think they made a, they passed a, a like a, a law that you had to wear a shirt at a Bucks game because no one fucking, type in, oh, never mind, it's fucking not going to. What part of Florida are you from? Tampa. Tampa. Tampa's an interesting place because it's, is not Miami. Miami is not. I mean, I mean this respectfully. It's, it is Florida, but it is more. It is more an international town. It's like the Epcot Center for Latin America. It's it like is, if you want to, yeah. you want to get the experience of going to Venezuela, but you're able to wear your jewelry to dinner. <laughs> you go to Doral. Wow, that's a great <laughs> fucking analogy. That, 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 that makes me feel like you've been to Miami a lot. I lived a year. I had a show down there, and I oh, lived for there. real. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I got Miami's. Like, it's funny when you get there, it takes you over, dude. Like you could like every month. I noticed I was there. I had one bu more button. Yeah, you could count the months I've been there, but it's like one more button up. 
that's so fucking great. That's very real too. Yeah, that is very real. Yeah. No, Tampa was Tampa was so like and honestly, I mean you could just do do it geographically. It's like you look at like Tallahassee, and Tallahassee was good old boys. Like that was still the good old boy network. That was the people that settled Florida, the people that uh were like that first generation of of white redneck uh florida and then slowly and it's like you can go from the movie porkies like porkies was shot in miami it was in miami and that is when you know really honestly that was the last time white people ran miami like that and then when the cuban when the cuban revolution happened and they started kicking out people and people started leaving and fleeing that's when you saw kind of the white flight and it and it kind of lightens the higher you go in florida right and it's it's interesting it's ironic because when you go more north you're in more of the south yeah right yeah, yeah 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 and so but florida had a great mix and in my opinion tampa at least had a great mix of like there was this group of good old boys like still um very very prevalent especially in tampa oldsmar just outside tampa but there was a very large cuban community and 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 it and I just I mean it's all I it's kind of all I not all I grew up with but like definitely in high school all my you'd you just be experienced to things where you didn't ever realize it was Cuban like mm-hmm. you were just doing stuff that you were doing and then you would be like I remember the first time finding out uh, like uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the dish there was a dish I fucking loved and I found out it was cuban it was a cuban dish they didn't have it everywhere and i went mm. and i don't want to say it was like i was in la right and i was like oh wait you guys have this picadillo mm. i was like picadillo is not like you can't just order that anywhere yeah. and they're like it's just a cuban dish yeah i was like shut the fuck up because you get one mom when we go to the beach for the summer you get one mom to make uh, a rose con pollo or or picadillo and then you'd have rice and beans and then that they make huge things of it and then you just eat that for lunch for dinner and that like that's what all the boys would eat but I really feel like my my personality was developed and I became funny that freshman year of high school. I learned it was all boys Catholic high school and the currency was like humor. Mm-hmm. That was like, if you can make other people laugh, then that is what made you cool. And that's, but it wasn't until I got to college that I, I really was like fucking hilarious. Like where I was like, even I was like, I'm really good at this. Like <laughs> there were times I said things where as they came out of my mouth, I'm like, where the fuck did I come up with this? <laughs> and I'd surprise my, I mean, like, honestly, honestly surprise myself and be like, Sh-. and then people would look and they go, did you just think that? And I'd be like, I know, right? <laughs> it's in the eyes. I think comedy's in the eyes. Do you think so? Like, it's like a twinkle in the eye. It's like an awareness yeah. or a twinkle or maybe a fear, maybe, because it's like a, a defense mechanism. Kind of, like, humor's like a defense mechanism. I, and I think, and I think you, it's like Jim Norton is a perfect example is, He's he's a guy who's always thinking about not thinking about what you're talking about, about two steps ahead of you about something else. So that when you have the thing, he's but I don't think he does it in like a premeditated way. I think it's something that's grilled into him that he just does. Right. And the funniest guys. Yeah, we're not great listeners, comedians. It's like anyone listening to this podcast knows I'm the worst <laughs> listener in the world. We're opposite therapists. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because we're constantly here going like, what's funny? What's what's funny? Like, we're just, we're just everything's funny. We're just thinking. Oh, we're even we're into tell, ourselves, even, too. Even as you tell a story, I am punching up your story in my head. Right, right. Because right. I don't know if it's, oh, I don't even a, know. That was a real 
that was a that was a very nice way to say my story was a little long winded. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> can I tell you? Can I tell you the end of the story? How I wanted your story to end? Yeah. Uh, you get the bike. You yeah. Get the weed. You punch yourself, and you tell them, and they're like, "Oh." And then he pulls out the bike, and he was like, "I saw that you left it outside." <laughs> and you're like sitting there, and you're like, and they're like, "You want to get high?" And you're like, "Okay." Yeah, I'm pretty beat up. But like that's I love I, yeah. I I do that to. I don't know. It makes it. It's got to be frustrating to be my fucking. I'm kid. a horrible storyteller. It's not my comedy. What? I did Ari's show and I fucking ate it because really? I just tell the true story and I'm going like, dude, you got to juice it now. Like you got to, you got to juice it up, but you you can't juice it up where you take it away from the truth. Right. The thing about the, in my opinion, the thing I just had an interview with this lady in San Diego who asked me, um, Heather Myers. Shout out to Heather Myers. She, um. She said, are your stories true? I go, yeah, they're true. But like a perfect example, and I feel like I'm allowed to do this, is when I tell the machine story, if I, if I kept it too much to the truth, then you would know that as I exited that train, as I got like maybe 20 steps from the cop, I realized him and the gangster knew each other and they were laughing and that I was not in trouble. But that's not the way a story goes. You need, to, as a listener, you need to, like I just I don't mind taking away some information to make a story better. I don't mind um, skinnying up a story to, so it's not long as fuck. And that's where I get in a lot of trouble. Is I tell, like the other day I was telling the story about me and Isla um, winning the snow machine at an auction, and and there's so much to the story that I think is important. And I, Leanne watched it. And she goes, "Enough already. We fucking get it. Just win the fucking thing." And I was like, "For real?" She was like, "Yeah, you're over explaining everything." I think that's another thing. But you're, you're a great storyteller. No, I'm actually not. It's not a strength. It's like my uh, my act is has no stories in it. Really? Yeah, I just it's just mine's always like. But even just telling a part, like Mark Norman says he's a bad storyteller. Yeah. But when he tells a story, like he told the story of fucking his, his acting teacher on her period mm. and then having to wash in her sink. Mm -hmm. And I was crying fucking laughing. Yeah. Yeah, but there's an art to it when you put it on stage. Oh, when getting on, yeah. a story on stage is very different. Yeah, it's a, it's like, yeah, I think he probably meant it like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could tell a decent story, but when like the way you do it, that's that's the way you do it. It's like, and yeah, you have to. It's like the old Irish proverb, right? You never let the truth get in the way of a good story. It's like, um, yeah, it's a, entertainment. You're telling it for entertainment. You're not telling it to recap. You're not you're not talking to a cop. When he's like, what happened? You, know, yeah. you tell the whole truth, but nothing but the truth. So yeah. you got It's like, no, you're telling an audience for entertainment. Yeah. yeah. Well, they paid money to come see my show. Yeah. I'm not going to just fucking. Like, I, I told this girl one time. I have this great fucking story. That's nope. a great fucking story. <laughs> George. And then this is the difference, right? So if Leanne tells a story, you're bored out of your fucking mind. <laughs> she will tell you all the facts you need to know. Right. In the order that they need to come out. Right. So that. She can be done with this story the quickest. Yeah. And then go on for you to tell a story. Because right. she wants to hear you. Right. And I that's not how I tell a story. So I go, I this one time I was just, I was just telling this to Tom the other day. Mm. I said, G Georgia broke out all her teeth and she was she was a baby and broke her jaw. And so I had to fly home from the road and they had to go in for an emergency surgery the next day. So I fly in and it's just drama. I'm gonna skinny this story up so that you because the important part is how badly Leanne would tell it. <laughs> is I get home, I'm I mean I'm I'm panicked because they got to put her under. We go to this really expensive doctor in Beverly Hills. They at the last minute they can they 
hit us up and they're like, you know, we can go in today. We've, we've found an anesthesiologist. Luckily he's going to be in the office. So let's go, let's go 6am. And we're like, oh, great, great. So we get up Georgia, we go in, they go to give her an IV and they can't find a vein and they're going to need to give her gas. And he says, listen, she's panicking and freaking out. You need to go to her face and get her to breathe calmly as her dad. And so that we can so she's not taking panic breaths like you know like we need to breathe calmly and so i go okay and so i'm like i'm like fucking out of my mind i go up to her face i'm like baby it's okay we're gonna just breathe a sweet gas and your mouth's gonna be better as soon as you breathe this gas your mouth's better. she's like daddy you promise and i go i promise and they put the thing on her on her nose and she goes under and i fall apart because i'm like what if i just killed my fucking daughter <laughs> right i fall apart I, I immediately walk out of the room and walk into the bathroom and i am crying so aggressive <laughs> at how much i need this little kid in my life and i'm thinking horrible thoughts like if she dies do we get to keep her body for a little bit because i'm not done with this body this is my little body right. let me cuddle with it for a night right. and just tell her how much I, and i'm fucking horrible fucking thoughts i get out of the fucking bathroom i go into the lobby and and Le there's it's me leanne and then this black chick two black dudes and I'm crying aggressively. I'm, I got my hands on my head. I'm sobbing, crying. Anytime I look up, it's the black chick. She's trying to calm me down. She's like, she's like, just like, it's okay. You know, and I'm like, whatever. I don't even fucking, I'm not even paying attention. I'm so embarrassed that I'm crying in public. And Leanne's crying. And we're in there maybe 10 minutes, 10 minutes tops. And they go, your, your daughter's fine. She's awake. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, for real? And they're like, yeah, everyone applauds in the room. We leave. We grab her. She's still asleep, but she's okay. She's breathing. She's got gauze in her mouth. We go to this receiving room. And as we go into this receiving room with a, like a curtain on a leather couch, I'm like, I finally go like breathe. And I'm like, she's fine. We got her. She's good. We did it. And then the curtain opens up. It's a black chick. And she puts her arm on me and she says, it's tough being a daddy, isn't it? In my, my mind, I'm like, bitch, it's a private moment with me and my wife. I look over. It's Whitney Houston. It's Whitney fucking Houston. She's like, it's tough being a daddy, isn't it? I'm like, God the fuck. And then Leanne, I see her, her jaws dropped. She fucking almost drops George on the ground. Whitney Houston sits down with her, starts stroking George's head. As they prep the room that we were in, that was Whitney Houston's room. The reason we got an anesthesiologist is because Whitney Houston got an anesthesiologist. We go in and she just sits there with us, starts talking about being a, kid, a mom and being a, and being a dad and, I know how hard this is when you have kids or your babies and even when they get older and she's playing with George's hair and she's got her arm around when Leanne sat with us for like five minutes and then they're like, Mrs. Houston, we're ready. And she was like, all right. She was like, enjoy your babies and got up and left. And then the anesthesiologist goes, where's Kevin Costner at, Whitney? And she goes, just put me under. <laughs> so we go out and we don't have to pay for the anesthesiologist. Very expensive. Wow. We don't have to pay for it. Whitney Houston covers it. Wow. Right? Right? Great, great, great This woman. is pre-Bobby Brown. Because she was coherent. She was, by the way, she looked beautiful. Yeah. She looked beautiful. And I think, I don't, I think, no, this is, I mean, I think her and Bobby had broken up. I mean, this is recent. It was, right. like, it was like, you know, 16, 15 years ago. Right. If Leanne tells you this story, she goes, uh, do you want to hear about the time we went, met Whitney Houston? And I go, that's not how the story's told. Right. I see what you're saying. Don't she tell gave it, like it away that. at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Or, or she'll go, or she'll go. And then I go into the lobby and then Whitney Houston's sitting there. And I'm like, <laughs> Burke gets there and he sits down and I'm like, it's Whitney Houston. And I go, that's not the reveal. Right. It's okay to hide your reveal to the end. Yeah. Did I know that that was Whitney Houston in the fucking thing? 
Nope. Not yeah. not when I tell you my story. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. My reveal's back there. Yeah. I look like a fucking idiot if I knew it was Whitney Houston. And then she comes in. I go, fuck, Leanne, you're ruining the goddamn story. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And so like that's where that's where I go, like, tell the fucking story. Let someone yeah. go, oh, shut up. Yeah, yeah. Let that happen. The best part of this story is I tell that to Tom Segura. <laughs> she dies. The day she dies, I'm driving out to the Irvine, Ontario Improv, and he goes, oh, dude, Whitney Houston's dead. And I'm like, what? He goes, do you realize what this is going to do for your story? <laughs> I go, what? And he goes, Bert, you can say that she said anything in the world to you at that room. Yeah, so that night I go on stage, and I'm like, and then Whitney Houston comes in, and she's like, um, she's like, my husband is obsessed with your stand-up comedy. And I'm like, for real? And she goes, we love you. We think you're fucking brilliant. We watch you all the time. And I'm like, oh my God, thank you so much. And now she's passed. And everyone's like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I felt it. You're the best father I've ever seen. I'm so attracted to you. It's funny. Even in mo whatever moment, we'll, we'll always be comics. You know, you heard the, uh, when you used just that first Nick Top stuff, was like, dude, your story's about to go to. <laughs> the first thing. The yeah, yeah, it's immediately your brain has to go to comedy, and yeah. I don't understand. I really don't understand people who don't like. I like. It's a great way to deal with life. My dad actually told me like a lot of people miss that. You, not only do you have to su survive physically, you got to survive emotionally. Especially humans need to survive emotionally. Yeah, and humor is the tool that allows you to survive emotionally. It's the best tool to use to kind of feel better. You know, we make people feel better. We make ourselves feel better by thinking of jokes. Hard situations become more manageable when you joke. It really is like, um, that's what it's for. Yeah, I, I, I went, I don't, I don't think I'd really wrap my head around what we did for a living. For the, fir the first time that I really understood it, meaning what it can do and the importance of it. I remember um, I, I went, I did a show at, uh, at Flappers and our friend, uh, Jeannie Turbo had just lost her dad, and uh, we did a show. And I, I, there was no nobility in in anything I did. I was wasn't trying to do anything good. I was just doing what I do, and I just did stand up. And then she saw me the next day at like school, would drop off for our kids, and she was like, she was very generous with thanking me. She goes, "You don't understand. I since my dad died, you know, a week, two weeks ago, and that's all I've been able to think about." And it's been sad. I've been very sad. And we went to the club the other night, and I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. I need, I should go home. And you went on, and you made jokes. And it for one hour, I didn't think about the thing that was making me sad. She goes, I'm still thinking about it today. But for that hour, you gave me a, a break. So thank you. And then you think about stuff like that, and you're like, oh, like not. And there's look, I'm not trying to be highfalutin about it, but like there is. I remember when we we I. I thought we were going to have to put our first dog, Priscilla, down. And uh, I was really sad about it. And I didn't know if we were, we were going to have to or not. We ended up not having to at the time. And I watched a Greg Giraldo special. I was on the treadmill thinking about it. And I opened a bottle of wine. And Greg Giraldo's special came on. And I and Greg had passed. And I and I wasn't, I wasn't, I was kind of paying attention, thinking about my thing. And he said a joke that made, just made me laugh really fucking hard. And I went, oh, my God, I'm, I'm out of it. I'm out of yeah. the bad thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's it, it is important at times. It is. It really is. And uh, yeah, I've gotten messages like that too. And yeah, it's true. It's what it does for people. That's really what it does. And we are the only species that needs it because, like, we're the ones we can see our own death. 
we we experience things more emotionally outside of instinct. You know, animals don't don't need comedy. Yeah, they just like we need it. We fucking need it. Uh, yeah, I wonder. I've never seen a dog laugh. No, they don't laugh. They're fucking humorless cunts. <laughs> yeah, they really are. they don't laugh at all. No, dude, they don't. They don't. And it's like they're like German. I used to have a joke. I used to have a joke. I would love. I love making you guys laugh, but it would make. I- it would make me so happy to, if you guys could bring your dogs in and I could do things that made your dogs laugh. And you just watch them, like, like. but I've never really seen any animal laugh. I made a gorilla laugh one time. Really? Swear to God. I swear to God I made a gorilla laugh. I swear to God That's I made Jane a gorilla Goodall laugh. That's some Jane Goodall shit right there. I swear to God I made a gorilla laugh. Hey, see if you can type in Bert gorilla laughing. I have the video. I'd love to see that. I, have, it's, I was in Miami at a place called Monkey Kingdom. I think it's called Monkey Kingdom. That's too perfect. Dude, it was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. Yeah. Monkey Kingdom, you go in and there are monkeys everywhere. And they just run all over you and they they play with your ears. And they're like you have type in Burt Monkey Kingdom. Do you think I just want to ask you quickly, do you think being a great storyteller comes with like enjoying like drinking? Because people who drink like and are festive like you yeah. stories are flying that's that's where stories fly like guys you know you're like like you know people who don't sad drink people who don't sit at the bar like people yeah. who party like a good story is a, it keeps the party going you get a lot of like i mean yeah. you think about some of the best storytellers like ron white is an amazing storyteller uh there there does seem to be a connection with that like that old uh you know glass of whiskey like oh let me tell you a story type thing it goes with alcohol like i I think i know for a fact my connection with alcohol and storytelling is the majority of stories that i have i was drunk when i did (laughs) like i was i was i remember someone called me a drunk forrest gump one time and i was like really it was uh it was this lady this lady uh i want to i mean my memory is so bad these days donner so there's a guy named richard donner i think his wife's name is jane donner maybe or it's donner right they did uh goonies donner he's a big fucking filmmaker i came in for a general meeting with them and i wanted to do the machine with them and i told the machine story and then she said another story i told um what's her name yeah and uh she said another story of mine that had been stolen by someone lauren donner she had told another story of mine that had been taken by another comedian. And she goes, my favorite story you tell is this one. And I said, how do you know that's my story? And she goes, oh, the first time I heard it, I knew that was you. I, I knew the connection between you and that other person, but I knew it was you. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, are you kidding me? She goes, every one of your stories, you start off innocent. You're the guy that just wants to meet someone and have a good time. You get in over your head and we got a great ending. And I went, holy shit. And then it fucked me because... I started writing stories like that. Like I started going, all right, so uh, I'm the drunk Forrest Gump. I'm like, and then I just like, hey guys, I'm Bird. They're like, come on. And we had a great time. And then he introduced me to this other guy and we were like, uh-oh. Uh, I got to find the video of me making a gorilla laugh. I edit it on my phone. I think it's still, I wonder if it's in Miami. Did you confront the comic about that? Were you like, hey man, oh, yeah, yeah I did it. I did it very it's aggressively. Like, like, did you not know people were going to know? You're like, when I grew up in Tampa and then oh, no, it BB was- Guns came out and you're like, dude, it, that story you're is not from tampa you're you're from you're from oregon no no yeah it was uh yeah it was uh it was it was, it was pretty public 
Okay. Fucking. I'll Google it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and I have not, like, it, it whatever. I've, I've, I've taken the heat from every side of that story. And then you start going, like, God, you just gotta. It's been, that was a fucking interesting story. But, uh, but yeah, I think my thing is I do drink, I have an impulse problem. So, like, I get involved in things I shouldn't get involved in all the time. You like, follow I, the fun. I, f- I follow the fun and I and I say yes a lot. Yeah. I say yes all the time. I don't say no to anything. Really? And the only thing I say no to is if people say to me, hey, I'm going to ask you a question, but feel free to say no if you want to. I always say no and I say, don't ask me the question. The answer is no. Because right. it's always a fucking not a good question. Right. right. I'm, I had a bus driver one time going, nah, I got a question. Now feel free to say no if you want to. And I said, uh, buddy, the answer is no. Right. And he goes, well, I haven't asked a question. And I said, Something tells me this is a big ask. Right. And he goes, I'm not, oh, I mean, I probably should ask it. And if you want to say no, I said, I don't ask it. I already know it's no. And he goes, I, well, I was going to ask if I could bring my wife on tour with us. And I was like, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> I was like, you, you want to bring your wife, a Christian from Tennessee, to live on a bus with me? And, and you want, he goes, she won't be much of a bother. She'll sit up front with me. She'll sleep in the back. And I was like, I was like, whoa. Yeah, that's a tip-off, right? If you hear that at the beginning when someone says, feel free to say no if you want to, that's is that a tip-off? I'm, I, I, my answer is no. That's like the when someone says something racist, but they start it with like, now I'm not racist, but. But. <laughs> Dude, I was in a car. I was in a car with one of those one time. Which which like, first of all, you can say fucked up shit to me all day long, and I and I won't raise a flag. If, it's, if, it's, if there's some humor in it, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to raise a flag. You can say fucked up shit to me. I, I had a, I, I've, I've had people on the podcast say stuff to me that is like questionable, and you go like, "But I hear anything out." I love everyone's. I love to hear everything. I love it all. No, I never go. Oh, too much TMI. Too much information. The thing I can't. The thing I. The thing I can't defend against, or the thing I get fucked up with, is when people are just like legit fucking racist, but they don't know they are, and then you have to sit and kind of co-sign with it in like an uber or in a fucking car ride for an hour mm. and you're just like i'm not a confrontational guy so yeah. i just go okay yeah all right yep yeah because it's and it's also just not worth it you're not gonna like it's not worth it i'm not gonna changing change a racist line. person yeah yeah i had an uber driver one time no one's, he's not gonna get out of there and be like you know what thanks man you you know i've been thinking this way my whole life but after this when you told me i was wrong now now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> you just like, you, you, you can't, you're in that situation. You got to let a guy be racist. I was in an Uber one time and the guy has the camera. I can see mm-hmm. the camera is filming us mm-hmm. in the Uber. And he is saying the most racist shit about, about Mexicans and black people in LA. And with no entertainment value. Not, yeah. not one humorous, not one insight that was like, oh, maybe. Yeah. Like just <laughs> fucking racism. Right. And I just went, uh-huh. And I'm in the, halfway through, I go, I'm just greenlighting everything this guy's saying. And there's a video of me going, you, yeah, I noticed that too. Yep, sure thing. And their women are horrible. Like That would be a great movie. That would be like a great movie. What's that? Like if you're in an Uber and like because of cancel culture or whatever, and like even if you're just like, you're Bert, right? And then like it's on film and then you got to find that Uber driver and like the whole thing is to get that camera. And then he finds out how valuable that is somehow. And then it's like a, a goose chase. Like he's trying to get it. And the footage to, is not is not of his face. It's just of me. Yeah, it's just of you nodding. Just and he, uh-huh, uh-huh. Black people are. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. And he's like trying to get it to uh, whatever, TMZ or whatever. 
and you gotta like it's a wild goose chase <laughs> to not be- i've heard so many fucking racist things from uber drivers that there are times because i only take i only take uber black because i try to cut the conversation i one time got an uber oh dude when i get an uber and the guy speaks english i'm like fuck <laughs> <laughs> when he does it i'm like yes i'm gonna scroll on my phone in peace uh, i was in an uber in vegas in march 2020 and the uber driver was like rejecting names and he's like i just reject all the asian names now because i'm scared of this virus but he was like i reject any name that's asian i reject it i'm like damn dude any name that's asian i just reject it you know i want to know something funny uh one time maybe i shouldn't say anything about this guy but there was a guy there was a comic there was a comic uh there was a comic who was ri- driving Uber, and uh, he was going through some emotional issues. I won't say his name. I'll say his name so that you know. But he was going through some stuff, and he was driving Uber, and I saw him losing his shit in his car in a parking lot. I walked up, and I was like, hey, it's uh, and he was losing his shit in his car. And I said, hey, man, what's up? And he was like, oh, fuck, fuck. And he's like, what's up? I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm just waiting for my Uber. And then this person goes, are you? He was like, yeah, up in the back. And I went, oh, this person's on a ride. Yeah. Like, this is going to be a fucking long ride. Yeah, because when you get an Uber, you're getting an Uber with, like, it's not a professional driver. It's just, like, it's just some no. dude. No, <laughs> I, I went on I went on H3, H3. I think it's just H3 now. But Ethan and Eli, you know them? No. They do. They, they used to have comics on now. I think I think their podcast have sh- has shifted throughout the years. But back, Ethan Klein? Yeah, Ethan yeah, Klein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to have comics on all the fucking time, right? Yeah. And so... I, I did the first podcast he ever did. We didn't air it because I got him drunk, and uh, he got a little wild, right? Mm-hmm. So we didn't air it. <laughs> and so you and sell I, that sell it as an NFT now. That's what you Ethan, do. yeah, Ethan. Let's yeah. sell it as an NFT. That's what you do with those podcasts. I got a podcast with Ari. We were just talking about it. I did a podcast with Ari where he drugged me, and we watched. Yeah, that it. wasn't cool, Ari. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> but there's the reveal of me getting drugged is so sad it's so sad you there's no comedy in it you just see a guy who thinks he might die and his friend really doesn't give a fuck and and I, but i go nft a couple million dollars i'll get that to somebody yeah but you want to own it make it yeah. make that tragedy worth it but um, i told her i said you know because like he, he was like you know so many so many comics didn't come to my defense over that kobe thing i said yeah you know you find out who your real friends are when kobe dies you know that for him <laughs> That's Ari. That's what Ari found out. Ari's a wild boy. He uh, he really genuinely is. You know what's so funny is Tom and I were just talking about this. I don't know if we were talking about this on a podcast, but he's such a sweet guy. He is a great guy. When you ha- like, just he's a great dude. He's just got a screw loose. He's a little, you know, he's wild. He is. Yeah, you shouldn't drug your friend without his knowledge. You shouldn't. It's very illegal. I think it's yeah. <laughs> It's criminal. It's criminal. I remember we there was someone we couldn't tell about it. Yeah. It was like Dr. Drew or something. He's like, I, yeah. I think I have to report this. Yeah. I was like, no. Yeah. It's I uh, like Ari so much that I'd maybe be friends with him afterwards, but I'd be like, you gotta let me just beat the shit out of you. Just like you uh, can't fight back and then we're even. I told and him. And I sure he I think he might like it like the Joker. He'd be like, uh, he'd be giggling yeah. throughout it. And then and then finally let get on top of you and let blood drool in your mouth. Yeah. He goes, you don't know where I've been. <laughs> ha ha ha. Ari is Ari is uh you know the sweetness of it is why I forgave him because the phone calls I had with him where it's just me and him on the phone 
for like an hour are so important to me because he really is a great friend. He just in public and in like on a podcast and when he turns it on, it, it, when he doesn't turn it on, he's he's fucking awesome. Yeah. When he turns it on and cranks it up to, to, to you know, it's it just, Bizarre. I was like, I was like, it's worth it yeah. for me. Like we, we didn't talk for a month and then I called him and we kind of said, I told him, I said, I'm, I'm going to need some time to become, to trust you and stuff. And like, and I definitely don't trust him. I'm like, I'm not putting drinks around him at all. Right. Cause for, I know Ferrari, the real comedic genius would be to dr- drug me again like that that's for him that's how his brain works yeah is is you thought i would you thought i was scared or whatever he would make a great pro wrestler yeah or or, or yeah criminal or criminal <laughs> yeah. it's funny because you see like he's like the joker he just i can't yeah yeah but he does it with like a deep voice i just i can't burr, yeah. burr. i don't know i don't know what to do burke yeah 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 that's not cool you can't do that yeah oh yeah and then you know what I was thinking about when we were talking about Uber drivers is like there was always that stereotype about uh, taxi drivers that they like didn't pick up black people. You know, black people always said like, you know, can't catch a cab. That was like yeah. a big thing. And it's, it is true. Like Very it true. is true. Like they Sherrod take- Small and I stood on the same side, different sides of, of West Third because West Third runs uh, East West. We stood on different sides of West Third and uh, in front of the Boston Comedy Club and a cab came down and we both raised our hand and he just pulled over to me <laughs> and Sherrod goes, just went like this. And I went, and the guy goes, where to? I go, I just wanted to see if it would work. And he- <laughs> but here's my gripe with it though. Cause like, it's like, it is true. Yeah. Your example. And it, it's obvious. You've seen it many times. You have any black friends, you, you know it, but it's like, they would always bring that up to like us as like an example of racism. Like you see, and it's like, yeah, I see. But like, what does that really have to do with white people? Like, when's the last time you saw a white taxi driver? <laughs> it's like, you might want to take that up with the South Asian community because, like, the last time I saw a white taxi driver, it was, like, 1973. It was a movie directed by Martin Scorsese. I don't think they exist. Really. I, have not, I have not seen. Have you ever gotten in? And, like, before Uber, now you get them in Uber, but, like, at, like, a city permitted you can taxi get, you driver can get, yeah you like Macon, georgia yeah Macon, well, georgia we had a woman taxi driver in oklahoma city a woman taxi driver woman white taxi driver this fucking woman i don't know told me that. she told me uh we were we were trying to drink a gallon of water we were going to the airport and and we were trying to lose weight and she goes well you know i lost 180 pounds by just drinking water and we're like what she goes because soda's out of my life lost 180 pounds in a year and we're like whoa she was like, well, that, and I got lap band surgery. And I was like, no, it had nothing to do with the water. It had nothing to do with the water. Just giving you a heads up. The surgery you got to lose 180 pounds, that's why you lost 180 pounds. Right. I was like, I wanted to throw her through a fucking window. Right. I was like, don't fucking come at me. That's a good point, though. Yeah. Is that, but, okay. This is, where, this is where we get in trouble. Is it racist if you form your opinion based on your experience? For instance, mm-hmm. there was... I was with a waitress uh, from a comedy club outside a bar in New York when I was there. And we were trying to flag, I was trying to flag down a cab. And when she went to get in, he went, I'm not going to Brooklyn. And she went, what? And he goes, I'm not going to Brooklyn. And it's like, he knew that based on what she was wearing, that she was a waitress. Mm-hmm. He assumed based on the what her attire is that she probably isn't a waitress and living in manhattan mm-hmm. and he didn't want to drive to brooklyn mm-hmm. so he said i'm not driving to brooklyn 
And she goes, I'm not going to Brooklyn. And he goes, I'm not going to Queens. I want to stay in the city. She goes, go fuck yourself. And he's like, okay. And he just took off. Right. And you're like, he made he made a decision based on and like and so is there a reason they don't pick up black people? Is it is it because they don't want to drive? To, is it do they assume they're driving someone somewhere far? Like if they see a bunch of guys in wife beaters with Yankee hats and uh, like I'm trying to think of where a far place away like Benson. I don't know how far Benson. Yeah, Earth no, they is. would know. Yeah, like you're probably right because like you go, oh, I got to go to the Bronx. Go to or Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, would is that what cap is that why cap? Cab drivers do it, or they just go. I don't want to get. Is there other reasons too? I'm sure there's probably other reasons. I don't know. Yeah, maybe other reasons, or that could be that could be it. But all I know is like we uh, wh- they put white people on the hook for that. And I just want you know I just wanted to point that out. And be like, dude, we, you know, I don't know. I'd ha- I I don't know if I've. Ever, they're like unicorns. When you see a white taxi driver, you're like, holy shit, can I take a picture with you? Yeah. Like, you know, the last one, like they were like around the 80s and they were like Vietnam vets. It was like a pack of Marlboros on the on the dashboard, like a little ponytail, you know? Did you ever see the movie DC Cab? Uh, I think so. DC Cab had Bill Maher. Yes, yes, it yes. Was, and it was it was the fucking... And then I was like, God damn it, I want to be a cab driver. I was in like fifth grade, and I was like, Mr. T was in it. Yeah. The, you know who was in it? Charlie Barnett. Charlie Barnett, who's like Dave Chappelle's mentor. Charlie oh, Barnett. Charlie Barnett was he the guy who used to perform in the park? Perform yeah. in the park, and then he died. Of, yeah, I think he died of AIDS. Yeah, but uh, he was like Chappelle's mentor, so he taught Chappelle to like pull up a thing in the park, and just start performing. Just yeah, start, you can raise money that way. And Chappelle, what a fucking interesting career that guy's had. Yeah, started young, man. He started so young, yeah. and it could have really broken him. Yeah, and I guess it did. I guess arguably it did. I think fame is like it's so much better to get famous later, isn't it? When you have like a sense of self and stuff like that, like you know who you are, and I, I mean, you know you, what like a real friend is. And- I, it's so nice. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not like the most famous person, but I'm, I'm you're famous, pretty famous. Yeah, I mean, I get recognized everywhere I go, mm-hmm. and so I uh, I would have it would have defined me if I was younger. Right. So I re- I don't think I've ever really talked much about this, but like. When I when I got written up in Rolling Stone magazine, I was famous, and I loved the way it felt. I loved it. It was like the most the most titillating feeling I'd ever felt was to walk in and people knew you, and or or to sit somewhere and people have people staring at you and talking about you. I think I had very low self esteem all growing up, and then when that happened, all of a sudden I I was okay. I was cool, right? Like I was I was actually cool. Like, and I was cool, meaning, like, people were, like, impressed by me. Like, the football team, all the offensive linemen were at this bar, Yanni's, oddly enough, was the name of a big, the big bar that everyone went to was called Yanni's. And um, Yanni's, obviously, Greek guy. Yeah, and yeah, so, there's no, yeah. Or now, I guess, black African guy who grew up in Greece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they pulled me aside, and they wanted to do a shot with me. And I was like, yeah. And I moved to New York chasing fame. Like, I wanted to be famous, and I moved out to L.A. and got on a TV show, and I remember thinking, when does it happen? Like, when do you get famous? I remember other comics saying those exact words to me. I've been on TV for, like, a year. When do I get famous? And I remember I was like, I think you got to get, like, a, I think it's got to be a big deal. And it, and and then at a certain point, and I, I wanted the fame because I wanted a hot girlfriend. I wanted a, a house in Hollywood Hills. I wanted a nice car. 
but I wanted like, I wanted the things I thought I could never have. Right. And it, I remember, and, and, and it kind of defined me. I said things to my wife, like, even when we were married, I was like, I'm never moving to the fucking Valley. Okay. You're never going to move me to the fucking Valley. I live in Hollywood. Like certain things like that meant something to me. It wasn't until like my kids were in middle school. I mean, like even this is really sad, but it's true. And I, I don't mind sharing it. We went to, we moved, we bought a house in, uh, in the Valley. And we went to the school and I was so depressed. Cause I was like, I'm now just some guy that lives in the Valley. I've given up on my dreams. I remember that's how I felt. So I was like, you only make it if you live in Hollywood. You don't make it if you live in the fucking valley. Not, not having no perspective of why to say that. And I went to the school. They had a big fair. And we went. And I remember just being like, I don't want to be here. I want to be at our other school. At our other school, it was Fred Savage, Nia Vardalos, uh, Jay Chandasekar. These were the parents at that school. So you were around famous people. So you thought, I'll be pulled up by them. Like someone's going to go, hey, man, I should put you in my movie. It, like that was like. Uh, Billy Crudup was like a friend at the school and you were like and he was the sweetest guy his ex-wife was like a famous actress and he was married dating Claire Danes or something and you'd see them and and you'd have conversations with them so all of a sudden fame became accessible to me I remember thinking I I could be fame you go to Nia Vardalos and Ian Gomez's house and it was like fame was accessible in a weird way when we moved to the valley I was like well that's it we're just going to live with all the grips and fucking and the DPs and like we're going to fucking and the people who produce reality porn or whatever. And we went to this school and fucking Leanne knows me so well. She goes, hey, this school's not that bad. And I said, I said, well, whatever. It's fine. She goes, well, I don't know. I mean, do you see who's playing guitar on stage? And it was a group of dads and it was uh, Luke Perry, who is the definition of cool Mm -hmm. if you're asking me from a kid who grew up in that era where 90210s and he was on stage playing guitar with these dads and they were regular dads and he was laughing and smiling with them and i was like luke perry is hanging out with regular people like he just and and i remember he came over and he said hi and and we had just gotten a dog and he loved our dog we have bull mastiffs he would just stop and talk about our dog with leanne or myself who's the nicest guy And, and he lived down the street he had a house for his family's divorce but down the street from us and i remember going i remember thinking to myself that night over a bottle of wine in my backyard talking to my dad and i was like this neighborhood's good enough for luke perry it's definitely good enough for me like like you could get famous living here and but fame was so important travel channel when i was on travel channel and then it wasn't until i remember doing rogan where i said something about fame and rogan kind of called me on it and he was like what the fuck are you talking about fame you don't want to be fucking famous dude trust me this coming from the most famous human being in the world right now. Yeah. But, and then I stopped giving a fuck about it entirely. So he got through to you with what he said? Well, he said, yeah. I remember saying something to him. I said something to him and Bill one time backstage at the comedy store. Um, I said something about fame and my TV show and whatever. And they both were like, huh? And then I came in you're just a comic you realize that right like what do you think you're in this for and i was like what and they're like oh very candidly bert your tv show sucks <laughs> and i was like what and they're like I, yeah i mean it it's not good That's what i love about comics yeah, yeah. they're like you're, it sucks and they're like your podcast is good yeah but you don't focus on it and rogan's like and you don't you don't focus on the road you don't focus on stand-up you're never at the store like you're not working hard enough and I was like, yeah, but I'm, I'm doing tele- two television shows and I have a deal at NBC. And, he, and they were like, 
hey man just so you know like you're not you're not gonna get like successful by doing that shit like no one they were like i mean they were like so honest they were like you're, you're not attractive like you're not like a good looking guy like you're you're just like a regular guy you're a comic you're funny like focus on the funny man focus on the funny and and i got fired from travel channel and and i got lost the deal at nbc and i just and i was like or not lost it but i just kind of lost interest and it wasn't until like i really focused on podcasting and was like i'll never do tv again or anything that it and then all of a sudden you one day you're famous and you're like like i remember being with orion tom at, at a at a game it was when the machine story went viral and i remember we went to a national championship game me and orion tom and they're like what fucking happened to you and like i was getting recognized every five steps they're like oh the machine and i was like what's up i was like oh thank god i got it when i didn't give a fuck about it as opposed to when i cared the most about it interesting it yeah. would have defined me and it right. would have ruined my life and it's right. probably like all those guys we see that that get it when they're 25 and and they have this big pop and they kind of lose their shit or they fall out and they're they focus writing their act to to reclaim the fame mm -hmm. these are what the fans liked and it was like i mean I, it was it's interesting because even still like i don't like i i don't care about it's funny i don't care about fame at all but i quite enjoy it like today i walked in Right before you came here, I, we have friends coming over tonight, so I got some steaks for them. I go to this place. They know I have big dogs because they, they know me. They, but they don't know me because they know me. They know me because I'm on television. So I go in today, and I and I said, I get the steaks, and then they're like, he's like, uh, how many how many dogs? Two and a little one, right? And I said, yeah. And so I he gives me bones. I go, oh, fuck. I got a little one coming over today. Can I get one more little bone? And he goes, hold on. He's like, I'll go back to the back. I'll get it for you quick. Don't worry about it. And I went, oh, cool. So I have a dog, a bone for that dog. Um, I bought it like a real frozen marrow bone. Oh, awesome. And uh, and I walked out and I went, hey, that's not so bad. Mm. Like they they don't know me because they know me. They don't know my wife. Mm. They don't fucking know her. They know me because I'm on television or whatever. I don't know whatever I am. Netflix, but it's not. I'm glad it showed up now. Has fame ever mattered to you? No. It hasn't. That's probably a problem. <laughs> I want. I want it for anyone who's still listening. I want. I want to say that they're this all is still the, here. It's this riveting. is the definition of my podcast. <laughs> this is the definition of this pod. This podcast is whittled in to this. I give an eight-minute diatribe about fame, and I, then I, I look I, to my guests, who I should have asked the question to first. And I go, did favorite matter to you? You go, no. That was like Lee. <laughs> yeah. No. You did it like Leanne telling her story. You did the you should have done that after. <laughs> no, not really. See, because if I did that first and then you told yours, that would have been a big climax. The climax oh. now is just no. Oh, that fucking makes me so goddamn happy. That is the perfect. <sighs> so what matters to you in this business? Like, what is your what I are want, the, what I, are your key tenants? I want uh to be honest with you, this is my I'm I just feel blessed to be doing comedy. Um I have that same chair. Um it's great. You got it from uh yeah, that's uh what you call it? Crate and barrel. Yeah. Yeah. All of them, same ones. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah. you got four yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um I love this era because it's like it really is a like comics have control and you can 
you don't have a hundred people. You know, if this was like a show on TV, there'd be a hundred people, things we can't say. Yeah. It, it, it's layers of fabrication and comedy's best when it's uncensored. That's why it's best live when it's just like the comedian leading it. And uh, so I love that. I have no complaints about cancel culture. It's made comedy fun again. I think so. And I just want my seats full. Com uh, being fam famous isn't bad. Like I've had some characters that got big and then I sold tickets and, you know, uh, that that felt good when people are, respond to you well and know you, even if it's a small niche. But doing comedy, like collaborating with other comics, making jokes and uh, getting paid for it is just like, it's amazing. So I just want my seats full. I want my podcast to get bigger. Yeah. And um, that was what, can yeah. I tell you, right when I, right when I started to actually get famous, that's all I wanted. That's, yeah. I've been fired from everything, kicked off a tour for not, not for doing anything wrong. Just they didn't see me as a viable option. So I got kicked off the, pulled off. I shouldn't say kicked off, but pulled off the funnier die tour, the oddball thing. And all I wanted, my I had very simple goals is I want to put more people inside my, inside the clubs. And I want more people to listen to the podcast. And I just was like, I'll just see if I can get them. I used to call it spiking. I was like, I'll see if I can spike things. It's all I gave a fuck about. That's all I give a fuck about. And, that is, and then, by the way, and that's all you have to give a fuck about. Mm -hmm. And and not to go back to Chappelle, he kind of made it that way. Mm -hmm. Him and Rogan kind of made it that way. We're like, Rogan doesn't do movies, doesn't do television, just does his podcast and stand up. Chappelle, the one guy who could greenlight million dollar movies left and right, he could have the biggest career. He already does, but he could be redefine what a movie star. He could. He would he would oh he would mushroom cloud Cosby, Rock, Kevin Hart, everyone. He could have it all. And he just chooses to do stand-up. Yeah, he walked and away for 12 years. Really. Him yeah. doing that gave us it made us more valuable. Yeah. I think. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I don't think it's like because of any great reason. I think like your personality handles it probably very well. Like, cause you're just like very friendly, open, and like people you, you you like people you like being around people yeah i'm more like a little paranoid you know so it's like i i i want like my cake in it too like, like i'd love people to come and fill the seats but like when people see me outside i'm like why are you talking you know i'm like i'm oh, kind of reserved yeah cigars like that yeah so that's probably why like faint like it's a it's like hey dude you got to deal with that like i'm not very great when people say something off stage you know they probably oh. leave going like ah oh, yeah, that was kind of a dicky interaction oh i see i'm i'm in a weird way, I yeah. I'm, I feel I like if be... I was a fan of yours, you might end up at my house. Uh, that's happened. That's <laughs> yeah. definitely fucking happened. That's actually happened a lot. Yeah. Like to the point where I think I've, I'm way too accessible because people will say stuff like, "Hey man, why don't you come by?" And I'll be like, "Okay." You'd be like, "Yeah," like you said before. You say yes a lot. <laughs> he was pouring shots on the street this weekend yeah. with like Pete for because it was this dude's birthday, and you're like, "Go get me a tequila bottle." And there's like a crowd of people around. You're just pouring shots for everyone. Was yeah. that really? Yeah, in a lot of jo that brings joy to people. Where were we? Portland. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things in the world to do is, and it's so funny because there is a fine line between like, like I, I, I would I would want people to know this because it is fun, but there's the beauty of not, of doing it and not, and not sharing it is actually who I am. Like I was a never guy, never guy to be like, to be like, to tell you a story of something I did. It wasn't until I got to stand up and I saw people doing that like promoting self-promoting and i was very uncomfortable with it for a long time and it wasn't until i got on travel channel that i got comfortable self-promoting i had to take a class from them they kind of taught me how to do it and how to focus on what promotion needs to look like uh it was very valuable and i 
I fucking fought them. I did not want to take it. I was like, I'm a comedian. I'm real. I want to be who I am. And they're like, we think you should take this class. Took it in in uh, at in New Braunfels, Texas. They flew this guy out. Me and him sat in a fucking hotel for an entire day. Uh, got dinner that night, and it. I learned so much from this guy. Like just to, on on just little things on on how to highlight things get, to drop. Nut, it was so fucking good. But I was not a self promoting guy. One of my favorite things in the world to do is I'll do it in Vegas this weekend. Get a thousand dollars. Go to a table full of you know fans and drop a hundred bucks in front of everyone and go bet recklessly. I just want to watch and just watch people. Just yeah, we did it in we did it in uh, or we I guess I did it. I've done it a few times, um, but I did I did it in in uh, the East Coast. What's the East Coast? Borgata, the Borgata, and Jersey. Chick hit fucking big on black hits two hundred. Yeah, she goes. What do I do? I said. I don't know it's up to you it's yours I go, yeah. I, go, I go bet recklessly yeah she goes for real i was like yeah she puts it all in black again yeah. hits again she goes what do i do i go take it take it or bet recklessly yeah. and she goes stop my money yeah. i don't give a fuck puts it on hits again and i go what she goes what do i do i go fucking walk away with the goddamn money yeah. she's like you want your hundred back i was like no it's yours yeah. I, and, 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 but it's so fun that's fun when it's yeah. not your it, like to give someone your money like you just go i remember one guy going like i what and he's like putting five. I go fuck that. Put a hundred on a number. Yeah. Walk away a fucking champion. I think the companies know that too. I have a uh, podcast on uh, BetMGM Unleashed, and they do that for they'll give you a thousand bucks or like a hundred bucks. Yeah. And say bet it like, and that gets you in. I think that's how he gets them in. Oh, let me tell you something. You put. It's like I remember hearing uh, one time they were like John Daly's at a table. Man, I searched for that motherfucker all day long the golfer yeah. i wanted to bet next to john daly right. i wanted to sit next to john daly maybe say hey man how you doing big fan he's like oh thanks you know just those little moments yeah 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 so what do you think what did you learn the most in that class was it like little moments to emphasize it was because i kind of got that nugget out of what you were saying it like, was little moments to emphasize um it was it and that sounded like an example of that it, yeah. I, i'll give you a perfect example i can yeah. i can do he actually he taught me three of things i had done and how to tell them and um, and one of them was a backyard slingshot in Provo, Utah. We go to a Mormon compound. These are all things that are very important to the story. I'll, I'll tell you the story, then I'll tell you the thing. We go to a Mormon comp compound. The Pope family, they run, uh, they do microloans in Africa. Mormon, great people. We go into the backyard. They have two telephone poles, 100 feet in the air. And over the top, they have bungee cords. They throw a rope over it. They pull it down. They put you in a climbing harness attached to these bungee cords, sit you on the back of an AT, ATV, take off at 35 miles an hour until you can't hold on anymore, and you slingshot at 85 miles an hour back and forth and almost drag. Now, here, and then, okay, and then and then I would go in. So I'm about to do it, and I tell you, uh, and, and the guy says, how much do you weigh? And I say, I don't know, two 230 and he goes could be close i go 250 who fucking knows i go why and he goes well you may end up slingshotting into those rocks okay <laughs> so like so so when i told the story the guys the guy said to me i need details i want details um i want to know how big the things are because when i told it to him he was tell me about the family i go oh I think I might have said something a little maybe disparaging about Mormons, you know, like I'm a comic and I'm I'm a young comic still, so I'm like busting balls, no booze, no coffee, whatever. And then he goes, Did you have a good time there? I said, I actually had a great time. They invited me to they invited my family to move in with them. Like for real. They gave me a, the Book of Mormon. 
I said, it was just no booze, but that's fine. They eat pills. I mean, they don't, but Mormons eat pills. So I could do that. He was like, all right, keep all that out. Did you have a good time? I said, yeah. He goes, what did you like about these people? I said, they're really good people. They do microloans in Africa, and I don't think they make any money off it. They just loan out money to people in Africa. And he was like, okay. All right, great. So just tell me that. Pope Family Ranch, Provo, Utah. They're good people. They Just tell me that. I went, okay. So I told him that. But give me give me details. I want to know how high they are. What are the bungee cords? They strapped up there, and then they throw a rope, and they pull it down. I go, yeah, and they put you on a climbing harness. And he goes, and then what? And I go, oh, it's, it's over from that point. You just hold on to it fucking hope you don't die. He's like, oh, okay. How fast does it go? And it was like the way he told me to promote the show was really fascinating. So it got me into, it got me very comfortable with, with disassociating myself with the promotion and letting the facts be the promotion. Mm. Like just letting the, like, and, and it's funny. I will, I, I, when, when Instagram stories came out, I had not a problem in the world doing something crazy and then flipping the camera to me and giving you the facts of my tour dates. Mm-hmm. Like I remember one time we went into a, we went into a, a liquor store, me, Tom and Ari, and they were playing uh raspberry beret. It was a liquor store in, in uh, Southwest Atlanta. It was African American part. And uh, we walked in and we were like the only white guys in the liquor store. And, and I just started dancing and I threw my phone up and, it was because of my training at Travel Channel of getting up, getting up to people's faces, going, "Hey, I'm Bert. What can I take you on a trip of lifetime?" That kind of shit. I had no problem doing it, and then I had no t- problem remembering the details I needed to get you through to you. Like uh, we, it's a perfect example. You want to? Do you want to know? This is the training I got at Travel Channel. Pull up my shirtless ski video. Have you seen me see snowboard shirtless? No, no. This is a perfect example. This is what is this guy changed in me. He goes, "Always be yourself, be yourself." But when you get to the thing, tell me the details I need to know. How tall were they? How fast were you going? Because those are all very tangible for anyone to wrap their head around. And when I started doing tour dates, I was like, fun, fun, fun. If a camera's on me, okay. No, other one, other one, other one, other one. Oh, I did just see this, but let's watch shirtless, it. Shirtless, yeah. shirtless. There you go. I just saw it, yeah. So this was recent you posted. This was yeah. this weekend. Yeah. Okay, look, this is the perfect example, right? We're just fucking around. We're trying to ski to a bar. I ripped my shirt off. We're snowboarding. And... And we knew these people at the bar, so I thought it would be fun to ski into the bar. I thought the, the video would be I ski into the bar, snowboard into the bar. There's a bar right here. Is it still open? They closed? Oh, no, I'm like, I'm Fresno, San up. Francisco, Bakersfield. I'm coming your way. Birdie boy, relapse tour. Paradise on Earth. And so, and so immediately in my brain, I was like, the only detail I ever want is someone to come and see me do stand-up. That's the only thing I ever fucking want. So the thing was, be fun. This because I'm leaving a very important part. The part of the story I found interesting was how much do you weigh, and so that's all I told. Mm-hmm. He was like, "No, give me the interest. Give me some numbers. Give me some something I can wrap my head around." So, and whenever I do any video, it is in my head. It is fun, fun, fun. But I gotta say those tour dates, mm-hmm. uh, and it was Travel Channel, uh, eight o'clock on Wednesday nights. Birth Conquerors airing. Mm-hmm. Like it was just. He goes, get it ingrained in your head. Trip flip Tuesday. This Sunday night at 8 o'clock, we got a double premiere episode. He goes, put those in your head. Say them 100 times to yourself so that when you are doing a show, like uh, Good Morning America or whatever, and and you're telling them, he goes, you don't have to worry about trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. You can give them good statistics, good mm-hmm. numbers, good heights, and then you can be yourself. Mm-hmm. You can let it breathe mm-hmm. and then come in and tell them when your show's airing. So it was like it was like the most valuable, and I did not want to do it. Mm-hmm. But it was like so good, like uh, like – it's it really helps with comedy, oddly enough, because when you 
the details to a story are so I, and I didn't do it the other day. I mean, and it's like, I have this joke about going to a, an escape room with my kids and my parents. And my wife's like, why aren't you describing the room? And I went, oh yeah, it was a fucking lunatic's room. Cause it starts painting the picture for the listener. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, instead of just saying a room, it's yeah. like, then they can't, you got to get them visualizing. Is that what it is? Mormon compound, yeah, yeah. two telephone poles, right. hundred feet in the air, probably 20 feet apart. Right. They put a rope over, they pull it down. Like just the details of those things. And they move so quickly that I, you know, you I forget about them. And but it was like that guy was so good, and it was a class I did not want to take because mm-hmm. you know with a comic, a lot of times what you do is like you, it's so flowery. You want to make it so flowery, and and you don't and you forget the the, the details are. You, I want you to come see me perform. That is all I give a fuck about. Check out my podcast. Check out this. You know, and uh, that I guy. I get it. I get it. That's that's a very that's a great lesson. That's a great thing to learn and to do and put into practice it's like yeah. it's like when, it, when you know I, I saw stamos was doing a video of you making cooking, pizzas yeah you know, doing pizzas for whatever reason the most engaging content i've ever fucking seen really oh yeah i'm watching you make a fucking pizza in a pizza oven and you're fucking playing with the dough and then it comes in and he's commenting on you all i wanted to hear was your tour dates all i wanted to hear <laughs> right. your tour dates i get it now all i wanted to hear uh-huh. your tour dates because i, I go, turned it into a fucking tour promotion fuck yes yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah by the way it's not too late yeah. what you do is next time you're at stamos house go to that same place yeah. take a camera spin it around and just put it on your face <laughs> right. and go and then you plug it in at the end now that I was get it. that was the other thing that everything could just be just just boom, and yeah. then flip oh dude i've done so many of those where you just you do something amazing and you're like i should have said a tornado then you just go hey i'll be the fucking da, 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 da. that'd be funny if it gets to the point where you're watching like a street crime yeah and someone's getting stabbed and they just flip it around and you go oregon wisconsin chicago <laughs> help me not now not now hold on where am i albuquerque albuquerque while the world's burning, you just it's, flip it yeah. around. It's burnt, and I'll be in. I'll be cranking about. Yeah, I want to see you. I want to see the video. I wanted like because when knowing that you're staying at Whitney's house, you're so good at that. No, 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 no. No, but you're so good at like yeah, you do make that engaging thing, and then like sometimes I remember your tour dates, and I'm not going because I'm not there. <laughs> I wanted to see the. I was like, I was like, if I was staying at Whitney's house, there are a list of videos that I could shoot that I would love to right. see. Like I want to see you with a towel. Wrapped her on your head in a bubble bath in her bath and go, and then go. She's not here. And yeah, I'm she's not here. And I'm full advantage. Taking full advantage of it. <laughs> and then maybe someone walks in like that guy Benton walks yeah. in and he's like, "Your cocktail's ready." <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. You're Whitney right. is a Whitney is a fascinating fucking person. She's fun. Yeah, she is a fascinating fucking person. Did you ever hear? Did you ever hear the um story about her with the magician? No, I'm sure it's going to be good because she actually, to train her dog, she goes and pees with the dog. She got it from supper the first day we were there. And she just goes, hold up. And then, and she went outside where I could clearly see her and she just squat and peed. And then the, to, to try to tell the dog, this is where you pee. She peed. Oh. She gets in there. She is. Yeah, yeah she is into fucking dog. <laughs> She's into dogs. And she say. also pees around the property to market for coyotes. So that's, let's that is fucking yeah. fascinating. And yeah, she Did picks- you become friends with her when you and Mark did that podcast? Um first I through Tim, I met her. We went over to her house, hung out, and then when me and Mark, yeah, did she invited me to come to her podcast and then she double booked me and Mark at the same time. So I walked in, Mark was already there. 
she gets up and is like, you interview him. So I started interviewing him, and then she comes and just sits in the chair. So then it was just me and her sharing a chair for four hours. And, and a I microphone. Huh? And a microphone. And a microphone. I couldn't. Oh, Halston was there. I produced it. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Shit, dude, it's you. I was just wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah, at that time. fuck, yeah. dude. You were there. Uh-huh. How crazy. It was like five and a half hours like or something. Hours. She cut like an hour and a half out. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, we did a podcast with her that yeah. was like fucking five yeah, hours. Yeah, 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 and yeah. we had to cut a solid two <laughs> hours out. I couldn't feel half my body the whole time. Like I just, it got to that point where it was just numb and I forgot about it. Because I was half off the chair. Yeah. Like for five hours, I had one cheek on the chair sharing it with her. Drinking. She shaved you at yeah, one she point. Shaved. It, it was... got wild. Yeah. It was I'll just... tell you, can I tell you who I, uh, this is, I, I would love to hear you on lex friedman's podcast you know i did lex? it what no it's yeah. for real yeah I did all right it. i'm going i just yeah. heard tim Dillon on it the other day yeah and it is the best interview i've ever heard with tim Dillon. i gotta listen to that it's yeah. the best interview i love tim Dillon says something that that I, I think i think should go viral for for and i, I don't i know tim would never want to be like a lbgtq spokesman but they were talking about not coming out of the closet and did I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing and i'm sure i'm doing it wrong but lex said um some of the effect of do you regret not coming out of the closet earlier do you do you have any regrets about that and tim was like you know i was in high school and like i was just trying to keep my friend group and that was so valuable to me then i didn't want to fuck it up and be put on the outside and if i and i, I he goes i thought i thought people would be cool with it but i wasn't certain and so I didn't want to come out and say I'm gay. And then all of a sudden I don't have any friends. And I was like, oh my God. Like that breaks my heart that I was certainly in that friend group of I'm sure people who were gay that couldn't come out of the closet. And they couldn't come out of the closet because I'm certain I said words that may, didn't make them feel like this is going to be a safe place for me. Despite the fact that it would have, I didn't behave that way. And it was like, it was such a great fucking interview. How did you meet Lex Friedman? Uh... He reached out to me. I think I did Rogan the first time. Maybe uh, that's how he found out about me or maybe through Tim. He knew me and Tim were friends. He just reached out to me and asked me to do it. And uh, it was it was incredible. I, I really enjoyed talking to him. It was a fun, fun episode. It was probably eight months ago, nine months ago. I did it a while ago. Uh, I want to watch it today. Yeah. And it was wanna... really, really great. Lex is great. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. This is men, his little men in black suit. He's got like one suit. I've got it. I've got it locked and loaded. Yeah. He's really a great interviewer. He yes. is a absolute cyborg, though. Have he really ever... is. <laughs> I mean, he's like I, you know, I'm sure he's probably like uh, 25 years younger than me, but like he's maybe not that much. Well, maybe he's he's probably in his 30s. Yeah, yeah. He is so like, not that much. His rituals, the way he lives a day. Have you ever seen Lex Friedman Day in the Life? No. Uh, it yeah. is fascinating. Yeah. I mean fascinating is he like one of those like rigid rigid wake up one of his one of his one of his things when he wakes up is to remind himself the rules for the day <laughs> like and i was like i was like you have rules for your day he was like social media three times a day i'm never i can't go on more than 10 minutes and i'm only allowed to go on 10 minutes when i posted three times a day uh his diet is 100 percent keto he eats once a day i think maybe maybe once a day and by the way it's like he shares all this, and I'm not I'm not judging him, but he's he's like a pound, two pounds of ground beef with like carrots if it's if if he's gonna treat himself. And I'm just like watching this, thinking of the life I live, and go, we have like 
there's no i'm not seeing any of the overlap like i'm not seeing <laughs> except for the part where he goes and then maybe i'll have a drink and yeah. i'm like oh thank god <laughs> right. god you need to give something to yourself to reward yourself right. but the one thing he did he does that i started doing um and and because I, I i'm i'm a big fan of his but mm -hmm. the one thing i did that i started doing was i'm keeping I'm, I'm this is really silly but i'm keeping a happiness journal and so i'm i saw rob deardak say talk about it on uh brennan schaub and Dalia and Callan. And he goes, I can tell you quantifiably how many bad days I had last year. He goes, I had 12. I keep track of that shit. I, I maximize all my days. I know when bad shit. And I started going, I wonder how many bad days I had. And I go, I don't, not a lot. But then I was like, what, what, wonder what would a bad day would be? And I started highlighting and, and outlining things that make me happy and things that don't make me so happy, even though I like them. They don't make me happy. Mm. For instance, uh, jalapenos. I love jalapenos. They're so good. But then I'm unhappy for longer than I'm happy when I eat the jalapeno because I'm shitting blood. <laughs> that's fucking. You sure that's the jalapenos it's or the, the jalapenos? It had nothing to do with the forty-seven beers. It could be. Right. It could be, but the jalapenos tips it off, right. dude. I, and I and I I veered away from my happiness journal yesterday. I feel like a doctor I, might disagree with you. If you went there and be like, dude, how bad are jalapenos for me? You'd be like, look, I don't I don't know if they're as bad as the forty-seven beers you had in fucking Utah the other well, night. Yesterday, yesterday I went I went to fucking Tom and he gets he gets breakfast tacos yeah. and I'm like. I've already outlined what makes me happy, right? Like <laughs> fasting until noon makes me happy. It does make me happy. Uh, working out makes me happy. Spending time with my kids makes me happy. Not drinking before five o'clock makes me very happy because the next day is the, t the tax. But then you up. went also drinking before five makes me happy. So I'm, I'm at an impasse here. I ended up drinking tequila with Tom <laughs> and then eating breakfast tacos and putting the spiciest stuff on them. And then I am throwing up in my mask, like throwing up in my throat, going through airport security going, I know this doesn't make me happy. Right. Why did I do this? Because when you did it, it was lit. Oh, it, it was. Yeah. Because because like, who's going to say no to breakfast tacos and tequila? Yeah. And so you're like, this looks like fucking great. But it was like short money versus long money. Right. I get what you're saying. And but then, then, but then you. But then what if it ends up being like, I hate that day because I didn't have breakfast tacos jalapenos and beer so uh, that's what the happiness happiness journal comes in right is you start writing hey i didn't have that right how was the rest of my day it was really great you don't have that two hour window where you're shitting and diarrhea is coming out right like and i was like interesting so i get to my happiness journal last night and i log in just how unhappy i was after eating that and then just not a lot enough to kill it to get a buzz, but enough to make you feel sick to your stomach. Yeah. And then going like, I know that that isn't what I like. And so this morning I said, I'm going to do one of the things Lex does is he does gratitude every morning. He says what he's thankful for. So I said, I'm going to try this. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm into anything hokey. Mm -hmm. I sit out and I get some sun or the coffee. And I close my eyes and I thought about what I was grateful for. It's a big list. It's, I'm a, grateful for a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. And I felt really good. And I thought, I want to make someone grateful for me like that oh, that would be cool to be great someone to be grateful for me and so i was like oh that would be a cool way to live your life and so all this just exploring happiness like it's just unfolded like all these like ways to like and i was like oh i was like okay um i didn't like the way i drank yesterday i have a long night tonight so we get we leave tonight for the tour and so i was like don't start drinking until like seven like wait till seven to drink were you just staring at the clock? 6.58, 6.59, you had the no, beer ready. I've looked at this clock twice. <laughs> You're like, like seven, go! 
<laughs> All right, we're in. <laughs> because I know I'm going surfing tomorrow, and I know that I want to get a good night's sleep. I know that surfing will make me happy, right. even though I can't surf. Right. But like, and so. I don't know. I've been that, but this is all based on Lex Friedman because I was like Lex Friedman and Rod Deerdeck because they're very like, and I mean this. I don't. I'm not mean this as a slight, but they're very like autistic about the way they look at life. Mm-hmm. Like these are the numbers that I can plug in. So, and it, it all started because I got COVID and I couldn't tell if I had COVID because I thought I was hungover. <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's bad. You're like, when, dude, I think I've had COVID a thousand times. I th- no, twice. Dead seriously, twice. Two really bad hangovers, and I was like, I gotta, gotta fucking, I gotta clean my fucking life up. Have you gotten COVID yet? <laughs> yeah, I had a bad. I had a bad. Yeah, really. I had a bad the first time around. I like you way back. Um, yeah, I had it like uh, November last year. I had it uh, during Thanksgiving. It was bad. Really? Went to the hospital and all that shit. So how, what did they do in the hospital? My sodium levels dropped down low because I, I was in my GI tract and I've never felt that poisoned in my entire life. I couldn't even like get water down. So I was like trying to eat soup and I'd like try to push it down with water. And so my sodium levels just ended up dropping real down. And I felt like, thank God I went to the hospital. I was like, the EMT came and they were like, you know, you're just gonna feel shitty. You don't need to go. And I was like, are you sure, dude? I feel like, and they're like- and So it was a lot of it was in your stomach? Yeah. So wait, how did the- how did that happen? Wait, COVID. Oh, was you everywhere. got it from you got it from. Uh, I got it from Akash. Akash. Yeah, he gave it to everybody. He gave it everybody, and I gave it to Colin Quinn when he did our podcast oh at my that time. God, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and then I'm worried. I'm sitting there, and that's part of it. Is like, and this was like the uncaught COVID. This wasn't like this Omicron shit. Yeah, this I got Omicron. Like, yeah, you got that. I got the stepped on. COVID. Yeah, I got that stepped on COVID. I had that pure. Cut. A lot of baking powder. <laughs> yeah, I got COVID. That fucking brownish Colombian uncut fucking COVID. And uh, part of it is you start, first of all, you can't sleep because of the fucking pain and you, all these body aches. And then you start like, the, the COVID just goes in your brain. It goes in all your fucking organs. My liver enzymes were elevated. It's like inflamed. And then you start bugging out. And then if you're worried or scared, it it, escal- it, like, it like escalates it. So like, I was worried I was going to kill Colin Quinn because I found out he got it. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, yeah, I, I don't know if I could, you know, you're just worried the whole time. And then I also was in the house with my baby. I have a newborn baby at the time who was four weeks old. So that was weird too. Like, am I going to see my baby again? Then you start, your mind starts playing trickles and you're like, am I going to die? And then I'm like, I'm not going to see my fucking baby. I just had a baby. So my mind was just all over the fucking place. It was brutal. And so what was the, I've never heard of sodium levels. So they, did they just have to give you like an IV or something? Yeah, they gave me an IV and they check the blood every couple hours. And sodium levels come up. They just keep stabbing you and they just slowly, you can't bring it up too quick for whatever reason to shock your body. So they gradually brought them back up. Wow. I remember, I remember the joke I made when I found out Akash gave it to you. That it me, just, Schultz, that his it, producer, Alex. Yeah. I was like, I was like, uh, Man, Schultz is really trying to take over comedy. He sent in his incel to give everyone COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Just clean out of the fucking, I'm going to clean out the cellar. I want all the spots. <laughs> I mean, it was a joke, but I was like, I was like, dude, I'm going to, I'm bombing India. I'm figuring out a way to just bomb <laughs> India to pay Akash back. I got to text him. He uh, texted me about doing the podcast. He got a new special coming out, right? Yeah, yeah. I got to text him back. I think I did, but I get fucking... He's a great dude. You'll enjoy it. I get, I get a kick out of him. Yeah. I get a kick out of the, that podcast, Flagrant 2. Yeah. I get a kick out of that podcast. I just watched them with the two black dudes um, that, I guess, got in trouble for saying they don't fuck black women or something. Uh, yeah. They were talking about preferences versus 
I don't know. Yeah. And then Akash was like, I only fuck brown chicks. <laughs> and, then, and, and then I was like, oh, interesting. Akash's wife is, yeah, she's a good looking woman. Yeah. And she's Indian too. And they had like a full Indian wedding with the elephants and all I that. I saw it. I saw yeah. it on social media. The Indians, I, they really go big. Dude, I can't tell you. Out of, I mean, I, all I really fucked, all I fucked was white chicks. Mm-hmm. That's it. The one, the one that I feel like got away, the one that I think uh, that I, I find absolutely beautiful was the Whitney one... Houston that day in the in the hospital. Whitney <laughs> teeth look amazing. The way you tell the story now after she died, she's like, and then she said she wanted to fuck me, and then and I, I fucked did. her in the bathroom. <laughs> and so she kissed me. No, uh, <laughs> no Indian women. I got I came late yeah. to the game on Indian women because I think I only knew Dude. like one Indian chick in in Florida, like that's it. And then I moved to New York, and the first one I met was like the one of the hottest women I've ever seen. And then as I progressively would meet Indian women, I don't think I've I don't think I've run into I, I'm just like, God damn it, I wish I had fucking people sleep on the Indian women. Like, here's the deal. If you want to talk honestly, they have a martial arts of fucking the Kama Sutra. Everyone oh sleeps God. on Indians. They fuck, dude. They shiver in each other. Multiple they've figured out like something and they don't really share it. They shared yoga. Like we yoga's everywhere, but like like we need the Kama Sutra. Good. Pat Padma Lakshmi. I'm, I'm fucking her name up. Padma. Like all those cult leaders, like uh, that that documentary on Netflix. You remember that? The wild. What was it called? The this co- wild wild country. Like that dude was fucking all the women who were in his cult, and they you know they always do these yogis. These dudes are ninja fuckers. They have the martial arts. They know how to make bitches shiver. I wasn't far off on this name. Padma, P-A-D-M-A. Look at this shit. I don't do any of this, dude. L-A-K-S-H-M-I. Look at this. Look Hold at on. I could like to see. Don't go to her yet. Let's see some moves. Look at all these moves. Have you done any of these? Uh, I've had a chick sit on my face before. Yeah. I feel like I'm like, we're boxers and this is MMA. We're like a I limited. I haven't fuckers. done. I don't know what that scissor. Is that two chicks? No, these are all, this is all. So wait, how does your your dick bend straight into her? They figure it out, man. I bet. I got to try that one. Oh, fuck, I'm not going to have sex again. Have you ever done the one where you're riding the girl, but you're fucking her at the same time? I love it, but it feels kind of beta-ish, but I love it. So you climb on top and you kind of ride her, but your dick is in? No. Oh, that does feel (laughs) beta-ish. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I have not done that. No, it does. That does feel yeah. very. It plays with gender roles, but it's lit. Have you done the one where you tuck it between your legs and then bend over and then she fucks it, fucks you from the no, ass? No, I haven't done that. My dick doesn't bend that way. <laughs> the, the, uh, I, I did one. I did one one time that was really good. It was the best way to explain it was, uh, you're laying in bed, but you're sitting like this. So yeah. I'm on my side and I look like a chair and then, sh- and, but I'm on my side. And she comes in on her back and looks like a chair, and you have sex like that. Comfy. It was so comfortable. Yeah. It was so good. And it was like, we did this thing 12 nights of Kama Sutra. Uh-huh. Uh, we did 12 nights of Christmas every December with our friends. And then randomly, we were like, we should add in just Kama Sutra. Uh-huh. Every night after we party, let's all go have sex with our wives and the wives with the men. And obviously, you know, and we'll share, we'll put up, we'll all t- pick, you know, we'll all pick like three poses. And then, We'll share them, and we all got to try them, and then we'll share our experiences the next day. Like, what did we think of them? And uh, I love it. It was great. And then Leanne and I fucked every fucking twelve times in Christmas in December. And I was like, "This is." Aw-. She would come in excited. She goes, "Hey, we got to try this out today." And I'd be like, 
because like they were all texting. It was so fucking fun. And then our Asian friends gave their kids fucking fucking uh, Advil PM, knocked them out, and did all twelve the first night. And wow! They were, like, they were like, "Oh, we fucked up. I thought we were supposed to do them all twelve tonight." <laughs> I was like, "I can only fit one in." Yeah, man, they're onto something. Like they should have a class in school and like teach. It would probably just like make sex for everybody better. It's interesting you say that because I I did I was at, I this sounds crazy to say this. I'll say it the way I was just thinking it. I was at your wedding. I was at Akash's wedding. I was at Schultz's wedding because I followed it on Instagram. Right, right. And so you follow it and then you see who's there and then you hit them and then you see what their pictures are. Yeah. And so like, yeah, I, I, I was at your, I watched your wedding. I watched your wedding. Yeah. It's crazy. You didn't get to see my wedding. Maybe I should put my wedding up one day. I bet that would get tons of Yeah. Fucking, it might get tons. Get yeah. Tons of fucking. My, the dude, who, the, whoever made my video, my wife hired them. They made a lit, my video was lit. Yeah. It's a good, like they made a great video. How did Schultz, how did not everyone get Gomacron uh, Schultz's wedding uh, that was right when omicron came out yeah i was like ah, the fucking the, the number is gonna be high and no one got it yeah but i think everyone had had it by then yeah did you go no 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 yeah. I was, but i watched it on did he did he put up a video of it i haven't oh, seen it yet. he put up he put up one today like he like he's still putting he's them still, up like <laughs> he's he, chopping it up like a special yeah, he's like he's like <laughs> he's like i'm dropping this i'm dropping one every week he's this? like dude when you do it you, when you do a wedding video you don't do the whole 15 minutes you chop it up <laughs> chop it up a minute at a time but it comes out every monday guys <laughs> wedding drops monday and wednesday i'm gonna put out i'm gonna put out <laughs> i've got video from my wedding too i should hire an editor to edit the video from my wedding it's a great idea. Hell yeah. And then you could, why don't you narrate it first and say, this is what you're about to watch. And this is what but I was thinking. You will see the funniest fucking thing ever. My my buddy, we all got drunk the day of my wedding. Mm-hmm. Was I, Corky there? No, right. no. My best friend Croy was. Mm. And he was like, hey, will someone just grab my tux? And we were like, well, we're all going. Why don't you just go with us? And he was like, I'm going to take a nap. We're like, yeah, we're all tired. And he was like, I'm just really tired. I'm going to take a nap. And we're like, well, what if it doesn't fit you? He goes, it's going to fit me. It's going to be fine. So we went in to this, uh, we went in to this tuck shop in Carrollton, Georgia. And we said, we need to pick up all the tuxes. And he's like, you guys want to try it on? We're like, yo, try them on. He's not here. And he's like, well, what if it doesn't fit? And we're like, hey, do you have any, what's the shortest legs you have in a pair of pants? And he goes, huh? I go with his waist size. What's the shortest legs? And he goes, ah, I, I can do I can do like an inseam of like 25. Mm-hmm. And we're like, with that waist? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's like for, we did it once for a really fat guy, but very, very short. And we're like, we'll take him. His pants went to here and we gave them to him. I mean, I'm, I've never cried so hard laughing in my life. But what's the best part of this, the best part of this, he walks into my room and he goes, <laughs> he goes look at my fucking pants and and they're up high and i'm and i'm crying laughing trying to be straight going oh my god what happened and he goes this is fucking ridiculous do we have time to go back to this thing and i go i don't think so and he goes oh so i'm just gonna wear pants like this he goes i can't do this I, I can't be in your wedding and i go dude you're gonna be fine no one's gonna notice and he goes they're gonna fucking notice nobody's gonna notice so when so when so when we go when we when my dad is in the front row, right? My dad is not a guy who fucking laughs often. But if he laughs, it turns into like, if you've ever seen videos of me laughing where I'm crying, yeah. that's what my dad does. Everyone's in for the wedding and we're off to the side and they go, uh, you know, uh, time to enter in. And I walk in with my buddy Croy, my buddy Eddie. I forget who else was in my wedding. And 
my dad sees Croy's pants. My dad's known Croy since he's 10 years old. My dad sees Croy's pants and he's just going, like he was crying, laughing, bent over, crying, fucking laughing. And I had someone shooting it on a GL2. This is a true story. It's a true story. My dad was crying. Watch it. Watch this. I'm going to call my dad. I'm gonna call my dad, and my dad's gonna go. That was oh, the funniest God. fucking. Thing I wish I've I got the seen. tuxes for all my grooves, but it did some shit like that. It was it was the <laughs> funniest fucking thing. And then we get to the we get to the after party, and I say to him, "Hey man, we got your real pants." And he goes, "Hello, bud." Hey dad, how hard yeah. how hard did you laugh when you when you saw Croy's pants at my wedding? Oh my! Oh, I I couldn't stop. I almost <laughs> lost my breath. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs>
And I love that that's not how it goes anymore. That's why I love this era because it, yeah, yeah I, I, that that's another th reason to appreciate this era. There's no like cutthroat, only a certain amount of spots. It's like oh, it's like when yeah. Whitney texted me and she goes, uh, "Giannis is at my house. Uh, are you and I'm on your podcast." I was like, "I didn't know he was there." And I texted you immediately. I was like, "Hey, can you do Wednesday?" And you're like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Oh, fucking perfect." Because this is, I mean, I hope you understand this, but like. You're you're a big get on a podcast. You're fucking awesome on a podcast. Thanks, man. You, when people let you talk, you're really good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you had the stories were great. I didn't want to interrupt any of them. I was I enjoying do, listening. I want to do more uh, drinking. When? How long are you out here for? When do you? I may leave tomorrow. Okay, but I, I could be here for a couple more days. I doubt, I doubt it though. My wife wants me back. There's a snowstorm coming in New York, and she's oh, like, "You real? better come back before Thursday. It's gonna be two feet of snow, whatever." I got a shovel. That's what happens when you get married. You may have to leave your career to go shovel. Oh, <laughs> what were you doing out here? Uh, I did San Diego. And then, do uh, you, you know the Babylon Bee? Uh -uh. They're, they're like the new onion. They're really funny. Yeah. And uh, they're killing it online. Yeah, they do so, like, they do the funny stories and, like, memes and stuff like that. But they do, like, fake headlines and fake stories. And so uh, they reached out to me, and they were like, do you want to shoot this sketch about Hunter Biden where you play Hunter Biden? And uh, they also have a podcast that we do that, but then we'll do the sketch with you. And um, so I went, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'll be in San Diego. I'll do it on the 25th. And then, you know, I spoke to Whitney. She was like, you want to stay in my house? I was like, sure. And then I just lined up a couple pods and, you know, and then I'm doing uh, Tim Dillon's show tonight at the stand and that's it. Oh, that's so I was figuring like, great. if I'm out here, I'll come to LA. Got to come to LA more often. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I tell you, man, it's, I always think it's good. I try to make, I used to do, I used to be better. But I'd go to New York and then reach out to everyone and spend like seven days there and do like Opie and Anthony, Bobby's, like this is back in the day, and try to get and then try to get some of my podcasts, do them out there. Um, but uh, but I got to tell you, man, open offer. If you ever, 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 oh, thanks, if there's a man. city ever want to do my podcast, if you ever want to come hop on the bus and do a weekend, yeah, it'd be funny shit to have you, man. We I'd just, love to come. We, I, you know, it's funny. I, oh, I'm always embarrassed. I saw guys. your bus outside of the fucking garden. Were you there? Yeah, outside of the fights. Yeah, I was. I did. Uh, I was doing the Hulu theater. Oh shit! I was doing the Hulu yeah, theater the same night. Fucking Bert's buses. But here. like, if you ever see like I'm in fucking, please, if you ever see like I'm in Brooklyn coming up. Yeah. If you're like, if you're like, hey man, I'd love to hop on stage. I would love to have you. If you want, you can hop on the bus. We'll do the whole weekend. And it's we just did it with uh, Shane Gillis the other in Arizona, our Arizona run. We had so much fucking fun because we know each other very well. When you have someone that doesn't know everyone, come on, it steps up everyone's game because everyone's that it's 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 a blast. I'd so love to. If any time, yeah. yeah, I'll hop in the fucking baggage compartment. You won't even know I'm there. It's like, open, oh, he's here. You it's an open offer. And like literally when you see it, if you go, if you look at the dates and you're like, oh, I'm going to be in, whatchamacallit, on Wednesday night. I would love to just hop on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Or, or if you're like, fuck it, I'm going to hear, you're there in New York the next week. Do you mind if I hop on for a ride back home? Anytime, anytime. Right. Thanks, man. It's I an open that. offer. I think, Thank I you. really think you're absolutely fucking hilarious thank you dude i feel the same way about me you. you're a hilarious fun dude and it's just thanks for having me oh come on i'm yeah. introducing you to my daughters and my wife all right This episode was brought to you by The Machine.